For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Optimistic story making the front of the echo today, clearing the way for the Lewis. Now, unfortunately, if and when it comes and goes through areas like the city centre, as hopefully it will just uh, spread out then to all of the different, ultimately in, in you know, not in the, not in the short term, but in the long term to all sorts of different routes, there will be some work needed. And they're using the word demolition work in the article in the echo today as to what would be demolished and what would need to be demolished. I hope uh, nothing of any heritage, heritage value will be, will be touched with regards to the proposed Lewis plan for Cork. But I would say, you know, if it can be done right, um, we just need to bring it on because it certainly would be a no-brainer if we had some sort of a rapid transport system uh, through the city. Uh, I like the Green Party's idea of like a nine euro ticket. I don't know that would, I don't know if that would include, say, Cork, Dublin, return rail or whatever, but you just have a, a nine euro ticket. Maybe it might be monthly. I don't know what it is, but you could hop on and hop off anything. Imagine how brilliant that would be if we had a rail system uh, or a rapid transport system thrown into the mix. But anyway, that's the front of the echo for you this morning. Uh, all of the papers talk about the 17 year old boy who has now been bailed. He's one of the teens who's been accused in court regarding one of the latest tourist attacks uh, in the capital. He was weeping. He was crying in court. A teenager wept in court yesterday, charged with an unprovoked, extremely violent robbery of an English tourist in Dublin's Temple Bar. Uh, Now, there were three men. I told you the story, actually, through the eyes of one of them yesterday. Uh, because the journal had, a, 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 forgive me for saying, a blow-by-blow account of what happened to one of the three lads. They were over here for a friendly soccer match. Incidentally, the soccer match never took place. It was cancelled because of the attack. Um, so these three men in their 20s were taken to St. James's Hospital. We're not going to revisit the entire attack. Suffice to say that they were here. They were moving from one pub to the other. Now, the accused, uh, this guy accused of the robbery of Charlie Carter one of the tourists, took €30 euro from his wallet. That's all he had was €30. Euro. Now, he also is alleged to have taken um, other contents of his wallet, which included his uh, his debit card, and then he tried to allegedly use it in a shop a few minutes later. But behind the counter, they said that they wanted him to chip and pin it. So he wouldn't have had the pin, so he just left. But anyway, anyway, the court heard claims the teen punched Carter um, and forced him to the ground uh, saw the easy opportunity, rummaged through his pockets until he eventually got what he was looking for. He can't be identified for legal reasons at the age of 17. And I know that not a, not everybody is happy with people at the age of 17 before the courts not being identified. Um, he'll appear again in September and he got bail. Now, it makes many of the newspapers this morning... Um, the latest update on that. Unfortunately, there's been another incident in Dublin. In fact, when I was reading it uh, online in some of the tabloids this morning, I thought it was the same attack that they were revisiting. But it's actually Guardian investigating another incident involving young men near the Guinness Storehouse in Dublin. Happened yesterday evening, around about six bells. And uh, the video appears online of the incident. It shows a group of young fellas, one of them armed with, um, they say a hurl, I would say a hurley, on Market Street, and they're targeting someone. And this person is cowering from their blows. It's like, it's it's just wild, isn't it? It's like, and, and I know we've incidents of this in Cork, but Dublin is a wild place. Um, Guardian Kevin Street are investigating investigating that way, that one. Um, I, I, I personally have absolutely no sympathy, to be absolutely honest with you, with a 17-year-old weeping in court. I really don't. Nor do I accept the defences that we hear all too often of people saying, 
first offence, my lord. First offence, your honour. Uh, yeah, fair enough, first offence. But first offence doesn't mean it's the first offence. It could well mean for many of them that it was just never caught before. Um, and would you believe that, you know, all these weeks later, uh, Helen McEntee, the Justice Minister, has still not met with the family of Stephen Termini, the American tourist injured in an assault in Dublin last month. She committed that she would meet with them, but still hasn't met uh, the two sons. Uh, Stephen Termini is still in hospital. Um, and Mike and Jesse Rizzuto, his sons, say they're quite disappointed that nobody in government has reached out to them, despite publicly stating that they would do so. So there's more hypocrisy for you, like hypocrisy upon hypocrisy. You know the story from yesterday of the three Garda trainees who were sent home from Temple Moor because of tattoos. The Independent talks with one of them because he's a, dub- he's a, he's a monster lad, not quite sure what, which county, but he's one of our own being a monster-based father of one. He's a 32-year-old. He says that um, apparently the tattoo was on his hand. Uh, and he was told that it did not comply with the dress and uniform code. But he feels he's been treated very unfairly. He's now back applying for other jobs, right, himself. The other two were female cadets, female Garda cadets, who were told their positions were being deferred because of the compliance issue regarding tattoos and their uniform. But anyway, your man, the, the monster man, says he explained that he had, had left a long-term job as a retail store manager to realise his dream of becoming a Garda. There's few enough people these days realising their dream or even wanting to become Gardaí, and this is what happened when they do. Uh, he said he become uh, he was very excited and motivated uh, about entering Temple more from his training and very disappointed now uh, in the sense that he probably won't be. Uh, so the papers also then talk of other issues that certainly affect our country. I see the Ombudsman for Children's come out and had a serious lash at the government for waiting lists for our children, which for decades and decades and decades we just can't seem to get right. Nor can we get enough teachers, or, or indeed as we were talking about some weeks ago on this here radio program, um, you know, childcare assistance for creches and preschools and play schools. But anyway, front of the mail this morning talks about the fact that we are short 12,000, sorry, my apologies. It's not that bad. 1,200 teaching jobs are now vacant. Um, a proportion of those are jobs that need to be filled because teachers are on maternity leave. But not all of them are maternity leave positions. So the mail says that schools are scrambling. Um, and it's just weeks ahead now, weeks before the start of the new term, and they're scrambling to fill posts. Uh, not to mention um, the housing shortage, uh, which means that people don't want to go up to Dublin or work in Dublin. Uh, and I, I wonder is the same in Cork that you wouldn't want to come to Cork to teach because the housing is too expensive or the rent is too expensive. You know what I mean? Um, but and you also have to worry about the, the, the caliber or the experience of the teachers if there's such a shortage of them. You know, uh, like, wh- where's the benchmark? Is that constantly being lowered? I don't know. Um, RT is back in the news again um, for lots of different reasons. One is... Uh, Kevin Baykhurst and RT have still haven't made a decision with regards to uh, Ryan Tuberty. Uh, Ryan Tuberty apparently has not paid back the 120 grand yet, even though he indicated that he would give it back. And this morning, um, in a few of the different tabloids, I'm particularly looking at the Sun today. Uh, Ivan Yates is rowing in it, and he says he says I, I, he says that Ryan Tuberty needs RTE an awful lot more than RTE needs Ryan, Ryan Tuberty. And he's saying I just don't see a cue 
of Irish or foreign broadcasters lying up, lining up to hire him. So I think he probably needs RTE more than RTE needs him at this stage. And then when you drill into it on the inside pages, uh, many people, including government and Oireachtas committees, are just fed up that RTE are continuing to drag their heels on this and other issues, but certainly on the Tuberty issue. Um, and they're and they're saying like just just get it done, uh, so that one rolls on and on. I mean, you know, there's a there's a. I'm going to jump ahead to another kind of RT related story. I kind of I kind of like this story to be quite honest with you because it may show that uh, the late late show could be in for a right boost um, trying to modernise it. If you want to be in the audience of the Late Late Show for Patrick Keelty, you apply, right? But you also have to answer a questionnaire that has like something like 30 questions in it. Um, and some might say, oh, for God's sake, would you just not give out the tickets and let people go without asking them questions and answers about their entire life and what they like and dislike and where they like to go? But actually, if you think of it, it's probably not a bad idea if it means that there'll be more audience participation. Perhaps that's what that's what needed in a, needed in a reboost of the Late Late Show. So, uh, what are your passions? What are your hobbies? Uh, do you have any funny, interesting, extraordinary stories? Uh, who's your Irish hero? I kind of like those, particularly if they may come across some incredibly interesting people around Ireland who actually could be guests telling their stories on the Late Late Show, rather than the very small, poor pool of unfortunately, quite boring people that get rolled out all of the time. Because I can tell you that everybody, including all of you guys listening to me right now, has at least one incredible story in your lives. So other questions like, tell us about yourself, um, suggesting that maybe you could be part of the, the audience, as they say. Do you have any funny, interesting, extraordinary stories? If needed, would you be happy to contribute on the show? What are people talking about where you live? Stuff like that. But in total, about 30 of them. Everybody's talking about the price of drink. They really and truly are, because we posted it online last night and a massive response from people. The question we were asking was, um, uh, what's the most you will pay for a drink in a pub? Um, and at what point would you stop going? Big response to that. More on that in a few minutes. But if you really drill into price increases here, and for many people who go overseas, they get it because they see the price of alcohol. It could be uh, it could be a bottle of beer. It could be a pint of draft lager. It could be a cider. It could be wine. It could be whatever you like yourself, a gin and tonic, and they pay much less. Um, don't forget that the Irish government takes 70% of everything you drink in tax and excise. So for your pint or your gin and tonic or your stout or your cider, 70% of that is taken away and given to the government and put in the government coffers. So that wouldn't be happening in the likes of other European countries like your Spain or Portugal, for an example. So it's uh, another increase. Um, and when you when actually... Believe me, the Guinness increase is going to be added to now because of the VAT changes, you know, going from nine and a half uh, up to 13. So expect another increase very soon because the papers this morning are drilling into another aspect of it where the CSO, reading this from the Star this morning, uh, they're talking, they're calling it Pubble, Pubble Trouble. They're saying that the CSO has released uh, data now from the Consumer Price Index, which has looked at the price increase in just one year. It shows that the national average price for a pint of stout in Ireland's licensed premises actually went up by 38 cent in the year since July 2022. Um, and the average price now is €5.52. So it's 38 cent the pint has gone up. The pint of lager went up 42 cent for the same period. And the pint of stout, 38 
it's an enormous amount of money and of course the government will take lots of it um, and uh, uh, Diageo and other multi, multi, multi wealthy brewers will just reap in even more cash. Uh, unfortunately, uh, going to the pub is not actually on the agenda for an awful lot of young people these days because they might be saving for a house, they might be saving for a deposit. That's why you're finding an awful lot of people still living at home. And the Independence front page this morning talks about the, um, put, you got your seatbelt on? The number of young adults living at home has doubled in a decade. As we become supposedly a more affluent society, supposedly a more nomadic society, supposedly rearing children that are a lot more independent and be able to think for themselves and go out and uh, paddle their own canoe, it just ain't happening because they ain't got the dosh. In fact, the papers this morning, the, Ind- the Independent says, uh, young men are less likely to leave the family home to compare compared to their female counterparts and we're shocking bad when it comes to Eurostats, I can tell you, the rest of Europe but they say that the latest figure shows that 68% of Irish adults between the age of 25 and 29 are still living at home. 68% when you look at the average right across Euro, Europe, it's actually I saw the stat there earlier this morning it's much lower, um, I think 42%, yeah. So we're 68% and any other European city is 42%. That, my friend, Quivine, includes your good self. Includes my good self. Get your ass out of the bedroom, <laughs> get your own gaff, I'm get trying, on with it. I'm trying, trust Your mother me, and your father are fed up of you under Jack, their feet. I'm the youngest that goes for Claire as well. Claire, well, get out of the house. <laughs> Mammy and daddy fed up of you. Well, I'd love to see the st- statistics on how many men in that age bracket do their own washing. Or even the ones that are moved out. Do you? Yeah, do you know how to use the washing machine? Oh yeah, absolutely. I kind of half and half it. It's kind of like do you know this, when I have. No, I say what you do is you walk over it. It's on the bed. No, no, no. And someone magically you say, God, I don't understand it. It's amazing. I leave all this stuff and I come back and it's gone. It's amazing. There's um, there's uh, I've heard stories about people that have uh, moved out of home and you know the way normally you bring back a bag of washing for the mammy to clean. Well, mammies are now organising all their clothes and putting them into bags, saying, right, you can take that home, but you know it's not your house anymore. Get out of my house I need the storage yeah, right. literally big plastic black bags they arrive in house you want to come back for your dinner no you can leave with two bags of clothes yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> give people but, but, ideas but seriously 62% ah, of people up to the age of 29 sure, still like, at it's, home it's just impossible I mean, which means that if you go to 30, 32, 33, 34 they're also living at home might be a slightly lower stat though but still at home still at home I mean like uh, the three of us that were all in the house we're all still there trying to trying. we're all three of us actively trying to get out and just can't find houses okay but I mean, trying actually. oh yeah actually. we're actively trying look we're two of us are mortgage approved so you know we're on the way but it's just it's just trying to actually find something can I ask you a question like, without going into a huge amount of detail now I can come back to it later on yeah. when you put in an offer is there always counter offers? Always, I've, always, always. I, I, I will give you a very quick example. Right, looking at a house in Middleton, asking price was two seven five, and the current offer on it is three three five. Mother of God, and not finished yet. Not finished yet. Still up, still up for bidding. And what, do you know when that's happening? How many others are bidding? If Did you 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 can ask, yeah, they are normally kind of reticent to tell you, but you're they're into the, the, you have your right to ask. So, like, on a house at the moment, we're looking at, it's a fine house. I know for a fact that, despite the fact that I have about 20 grand more than the asking price, I'm not going to be able to afford that house. And are, are you trusting that this is all legit? I'm hoping that it's all legit. I have you had... Know, ex- the, the yeah, I have ex- we've had experiences twice now where we've been, and I don't want to name many of the auctioneers or anything, but um, we've had experiences where we've been told, yeah, uh, we're good to go. Um, we'll give you a call there. It'll, like, you know, I get a call on a Friday saying, we're good to go. 
go we'll give you a call on Monday and then Sunday night oh there's actually been a bid put in for five grand above what you've just you see that put puts for. alarm bells over it does are you allowed then is there a law where you can say okay I want to see proof of that counter bid that I need I actually don't even know what how much of a right I have to see of the details of the, the counter bidder while I'm there but so, are you entitled to have that information I, I, that's that I don't know I genuinely don't know it's something I should probably know to be honest okay. I wonder if there's somebody who listen to us right now who's been through this before that I'd love to know I'd love to know and I'd also love to know when you're because obviously you get asked for a mortgage approval are you uh, legally entitled to block out the amount that is, you've been approved for because a lot of people would say that when auctioneers get that and they see what you're approved for they can, can shove you up towards what they think you can afford as opposed to necessarily we'll try him for they might say to the seller We'll push him for a bit more because yeah. I know there's a bit more in him. Yeah. I've seen the mortgage approval. I've seen the mortgage approval. That's, that's the cruel world we live in, though. So I wonder, can you block it out? But if you block it's it out, then they look at the blocked out mortgage approval amount and they say, uh, he's a messer. Yeah. So it's okay. kind of like, what do you do? Listen, it's, it's, lads, it's, it's, can you get involved in this and conversation? And that is why please? we have 60-odd percent of people in their, you know, like... 62. I'm talk- 62. I'm, yeah, I'm talking like, look, I mean, most people would say that the job I'm working in is a very good job. I my partner's working in what would be described as a very good job. Um, we have a lot of savings put away, more than the ten percent needed for your deposit. Like we have saved quite a bit and above what you need for a ten percent deposit. All we're looking for is a three bed semi detached. Well, why somewhere. don't you go for something that's being built off an yeah, estate? Yeah, you can do that, but you're, you're, you're kind there's of no counter bidding. No, there's no counter bidding. But first of all, you're waiting for all those to be built, and second of all, you are. Um, you're basically it's kind of a lotto like we spoke um, a couple of weeks ago to an auctioneer I think it was uh, Finn from Creed and Finn and O'Connor down in, in Douglas they have a new build in Waterfall and they were saying people were sleeping in their cars to make sure they could be first in line to get the houses yeah because so they the next have open days to. and that's the day that you get in there all the plans are laid out on the tables I saw it with my son and his partner when they were buying their house yeah. and, and yet they're, de- they're there and they have a highlighter like I have inside in this studio you have a highlighter and you just highlight your box and it's gone yeah um, but like if you, you, if, you go, if you go in there by three in the afternoon it's too late all you'll see is a sea of, ye- of yellow highlighter yeah. yeah and that's the thing you see so it is an option but uh, I probably need to take a, t- a couple of days off work to make sure I'm sleeping in the car to be in there at six o'clock in the morning is there you know, anybody just... doing that listening to us sleeping in cars in the throes of trying to buy a house put in a deposit being counterbidded um you know, that there, there could be still an element of gazumping going on in Ireland. I don't know. There could be kind of... But like the, 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 the market is gone. Like, the problem is that, and without getting too much into it, the mortgage rates are still very high, but people have the money saved now, so they're willing to pay the mortgage because it's still costing so much less to pay a mortgage than it is to rent. Totally. totally. So the house prices are still going through the roof. I mean... I have a, I have a very, and my partner, we're, we're good in that we have a very clear idea of what we represent as value in a house and what we're willing to pay. And if it goes above that, we both just say, well, you know, that's it. We leave it off. Even if it's a, even if it's a dream house, you know, yep. you'll still say no. Well, a dream house is only a dream house if you're paying the price of a dream. Like for me, it all comes down to, you know, like a dream house at 250,000, I'm not saying, or 300,000 might necessarily be a dream house at 350,000. Yeah, you know, I know. What it, you mean. it does, okay. like okay. you just have to be, and I think you have to be very self disciplined because otherwise you end up running into the kind of being frustrated and chasing it, and then you end up paying 20 or 30 grand above and spending the next couple okay. of years wondering why you paid so much. Okay, for the on the basis have. of what we just chatted there, I'd love to get people's thoughts on it. Text 0868104106. Perhaps you're going through it. Perhaps 
perhaps you have some advice to offer with regards to the cost or the value in a house or, you know, adding the, 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 the price of it going up because you're being bid and someone bids against you and it goes up by ones or fivers or whatever the case may be. And, you know, how trusting should we be of, of uh, estate agents and auctioneers? You know, you really are relying on them to be super honest. Perhaps you're an auctioneer yourself or an estate agent. Get involved. Text 0868104106. I leave some of the other aspects in the newspapers alone. Come back to them later in the morning. But I do want to turn to the price of the pine. Remember I said that we posted online overnight. Got some incredible responses from people because this program's all about you guys. More on that after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. So get involved, guys. Alison says, with regards to remember, 16 cent is the increase. Uh, there was a 14 cent increase in February and this latest one is another 4 cent. Add the VAT to that and you'll be looking at maybe in and around 19 cent, I suppose. But uh, if you look at year on year, since last year, the price of pint of stout up 38 cents, price of pint of lager up 42 cents. Alison said, have a listen to this. My partner paid €7.80 in a pub in Cork a few months ago. Seven eighty. But the prices have been put up twice since then. So I can only imagine the cost now. Needless to say, we didn't go back and we won't go back there. She doesn't say where, sadly. We used to go out a lot, but with the cost of pints now, we have opted to put money into an outdoor area and drink at home going forward. Uh, Jonathan says, uh, Diageo's operating profits grew by 5.1% to 4.6 billion compared to the previous financial year. Now it's time for the publicans that really want to hold on to their regulars to remove Diageo taps from their pubs um, and replace them with similar beers, lagers and stouts brewed locally. And God knows that Cork have many of these independent brewers in the county one such that I'm aware of is nine white deer in Balavorni, who have a range that would substitute quite easily. Taste every bit as good, if not better. Yes, but don't you find that, unfortunately, a lot of those independent brewers are expensive uh, because they have smaller amounts and it costs them more to brew. So I'm talking about value for money. I'm not dissing the independent brewers. I love the fact that it's a thriving industry. But are they any cheaper? Maria says, people will still go out no matter how much. If they just go out, they'll, they won't stay out as late and probably pre-drink at home. The Harp Bar is €3.66 for a pint of Beamish. And on that point, let me talk to a Harp, point, harp Bar drinker, Thomas Roach. Thomas, good morning. Good morning. 366 for Beamish. So is there still that kind of reduced discount Beamish deal going on, yeah? There is. See, I, I, I wandered into the, the, the half yesterday evening about five past six on the way home. And the place was full. There was a, a little uh, piece of music being played by a, a one-man band in the corner. And they were giving out roast beef dinners. Giving out? For free. Yes. I was looking at it. I, anybody can get it. I could have got it, but I didn't want it because I, I was going home for my dinner. Yes. Look, you, you can read the owners of the half about this. <laughs> this is not a hearsay. <laughs> I, I, I Why don't you tuck be, uh, into a roast beef dinner, for God's sake, man? And then when I go home, I'm in trouble then for not eating my own dinner. <laughs> you understand? Tell, so, tell her to come on down having a roast beef dinner in the harp herself. Well, I did, and she did come down, but we didn't have a dinner. Right. Because of the price, she came down. And and they, they were telling me that this is... On, on, you see, I drink a Beamish, and it, they said that uh, this is the price on a Monday. It goes up then by thirty two cent for thirty four cent for the rest of the week. It's, it's, still, it's, still, it's still just four euro though. But if you go to any other pub around the place, it's a fiver. 
Do you remember, you know, year, you remember years ago and four years, Beamish was always cheaper than Murphy's and Guinness? It was always a 40 or 50 pence, yeah. Is that still around where you can get it cheaper? I, I, I don't think so. Okay. Well, it, it, it is cheaper than the Guinness, all right. All right. But so, so there I, must have been some vibe inside in the harp, tea time yesterday, with a, yeah, with yeah, a one-man yeah. band, a free roast beef dinner, and a great buzz and atmosphere. Yeah, Everybody's happy. I, I, I couldn't get over it on a Monday evening. I'm, I'm not a regular there. So it, I, I'd go in, and I went in about a month ago, in, in a weekday, and it was four euro. I couldn't get over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just passing on the way home. And after that, I decided, I'll try this again, because every other pub was dearer. First, I, I don't know how the half do it, does it. I don't, I don't know who the owner is, but if he can be a pound or a euro cheaper than everyone else, and he can put on a dinner and put on a music, why can't everybody else do the same thing? I, I, I don't know where the where they'd find any profit in it, but maybe it's a, a just a you well, know well, it's a Monday thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, you can't. But but it only goes up to thirty four cent ten for the rest of the week. Okay. So, okay. Well, you you, you usually go to Weatherspoons, do you? Oh yeah, well, well it's three eighty five there for a beamish, and you go next door and it's five fifty. <sighs> like Weatherstones have a bad name, but they, I, I why have they a bad name? Point. I, people have it in their head because of England, you know the fights and all this. But I don't know anything about in, that. In the sense, people are afraid that the punter in Weatherstones is rough, is it? Yeah, that's what I think. But I don't. You see, inside Weatherstones, you see people from eighteen to eighty. Because the younger people don't have the money, the older people don't have the money, so they go in there and they're quite happy in there as long as they want. And then after the young people will go away to their parties or their clubs or wherever they want later on. But the amount of money they've saved for a night in there keeps them going. How do, and, uh, so? so if, do it, what what are the money. other prices? Well, because there'd be no profit in it, I suppose. I mean, I don't know. How do Weatherspoons do prices like that? Is it cheap for all of the other drinks in there as well? Well, it, it is. Well. My usual point in there was one ninety five, but they ran out of it. It's called Abbot Ale. One ninety. I used to drink that when I walked in England. Lovely beer, lovely beer, very strong. But I'd have my five points for a tenner and change. Up until when, when was this? Like the nineteen seventies? No, no, no. One ninety five. Yeah, look, you can go in there and have a look at the price yourself. They're all one ninety five. All these, uh, they're hand pulled. They're not rubbish, they're hand-pulled, there's no gas in them. They're lovely beers. But then that's, that's up to your taste. Oh, they're, 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 they're ales then, they're flat ales. Yes, they are. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're beauties. But like, if they can get them for less than two euros a pint, like, I'm not sure what's going to happen to pubs in this country. They're closing down by the new time and that's because of prices. But it's also because of greed from publicans. You think, do you? Not just the government. Oh, without a, well, I just told you the price in the harp. I told you the price in another pub of a similar area. You know, you know the pubs are... I don't want to be named in the pubs, but you know the pubs around that area. About a fiver. Let me get Anya from the Harp on the air. Thanks for that, Thomas. Uh, okay, you, you'll, go, you'll, be going back though, you'll be going back, though, to the Harp, I guess. Uh, when, when I can afford it, yeah. All right. Okay, cheers. Anya, uh, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? What, what's the story with the Mondays, anyway, to begin with? Well, Mondays here in the Harp Bar have been going for the past six or seven years. You know, nothing has changed, only when the price of drink goes up, the, the alcohol goes up, unfortunately. Um, we've been do, we do music right through Friday to Mondays. Um, we feed people on a Monday, we get the food brought in, and, you know, it's just a bit of a buzz 
for people and we know then that at least one day we get people in that don't drink that comfort of food on a Monday as well. And when you say you feed people, is it is it um, is it just a kind gesture, or is that is it yeah. out of necessity for people? Why? No, Why? no, it's a it's a kind gesture. It's it's our locals. It started off about six or seven years ago. You know, give something back to our regulars on a Monday, kind of type thing. Give them a bit of food, a bit of entertainment, and and it just took off from there. Like and I know of pubs that would give out chicken wings and others would give out peanuts and maybe someone might put up sandwiches or a bit of bodice up in Barrack Street or something like that. But mm-hmm. is this a full dinner? Well, it all depends. It changes every week. <laughs> and like you just, It changes every week. Could you just go in and have the full dinner and, and a pint of water? Yeah, we have people doing that and we don't object to it because we don't know that person's background. And are you busy on the Mondays with the free dinners? Um... Yeah, we well, we'd have all mostly the majority of it would be regulars. Right. Okay. You okay. know, the majority yeah. of it would be regulars. Yeah. To be fair, yeah. what do you what do you make of the price increases? And he's talking about your prices being considerably cheaper than other pubs in the south side, and much much cheaper than the city. Why would that be? Well, being much much cheaper than the city, I will put it down to rates and ex. You know, staff. I don't know what what you know what people's rates are around the place, but I think this rise again. Like I only found out yesterday that Carling went up last week. Carling never notified me. Would that be a Diageo product? No, it's no, a Carling be a- product. It's it's prime line. It's it it went up. Never got a notification. Nothing. So now we've had to add on ten cent to our Carling starting of we put it on Facebook yesterday to give people notice and we'll be putting it up from tomorrow on. So you know the you know the sixty you know the there was the twelve cent in February, right? Did you put yeah. the twelve cent on then? We put it up not the full amount. Some of the times we take the hit ourselves. Yeah. Because a lot of pubs do just put on the full amount. No, yeah. we've taken a hit ourselves. We haven't always put on the full amount. Um, sometimes we haven't put it up. We've taken a hit ourselves. Right, okay, okay. But Neil, when, when you go into a bar, okay, pub, town pubs are different than local pubs. You get to know your regulars. You get to know your locals. You get to know how much they're coming to the bar with, and that's all they have. So they're, they're not coming in with, you know, they come in with a set amount. How do you know that, Anya? Do they tell you that, or is it a kind of a public and sixth sense? It's it's both. When when you're running a local pub, you get to know your customers, and you you know you you get you get not just what they're drinking. You get to learn about their lives. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah. you you. It's a friend for life. It's not a public in and a customer. It's a friend for life you're making. So somebody might come in, say, for instance, somebody might be retired or a pensioner, and you know that they only have enough for, say, two pints, or perhaps mm-hmm. a, a third would be a luxury, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because they're budgeting. And, and, you know, and you, and you wouldn't ask, but, you you know, you, you don't ask unless they, they you know, you just, you just know. You just know when when you make that friendship with your customer. You just know you know their life. You know their you know their way of living, and that that's that's what a local is about. And you know, Thomas, there was kind of he was criticizing a lot of the city pubs and um, with high prices. He says that a lot of it is down to greed. Would you have any thoughts on that? Well, I can't speak for any pub, you know, in town prices. I'm presuming rates are hell a lot more than out-of-town prices. And are. rent as well, you know, of the premises, the least. Well, I wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't be making judgment or 
aftermarket adapts their own business as where what we do here is our own business, you know. What about the texture who said that people should be ripping out Diageo? I know we spoke about this about, well, you know, two years yeah, ago, rip out Heineken, rip out Diageo. That and I had asked, I went and asked the customers who drink those products, you know, if I was willing to take out these products, what would you drink? And they were like, uh, I, I don't know, I might have to go somewhere else. Oh, all right. So, yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like you could say, stand with me. If I had 20 customers come in to me today and say, I'll stand with you on if you remove your product, I'll remove the product. Yeah, yeah. If they guarantee me their support. Yeah. But then again, they might guarantee you, but not actually fulfill the guarantee. That's it. Yeah. Okay. 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 Well, listen, whatever you're doing, keep it up. It seems to be working. You seem to be very punter and and customer conscious. And that's a good thing in these times. You you give... That's my whole motto in life. You give like you we get. have customers from eighteen to to their late eighties. I'm losing you there, Anya. I'm losing you. Yeah, I'm just. Yeah, you you're know? saying your your age breath is very wide from eighteen to it eighty. Is very I think wide. So. Yeah, and you know we have eighty year olds that come for the image of two pints of beans a day. Yeah, and yeah. That, and that's it. And you know that's all they're going to have, whether they can afford it or not. But you you learn what your customers you know, do and what they have and what they don't have and what they enjoy. And another point on that actually is I'm, I'm delighted to hear that people of that age are actually getting out and going for the couple of pints and interacting with people because it, it keeps them... COVID, COVID has had that effect on them and you can see how it has affected that person you know, both mentally and physically and this is their out and people automatically think if someone goes to the pub they're going to be falling around drunk that's not the case but have you and noticed that, after COVID that a lot of people have lost their jizz absolutely yeah absolutely you, you can notice a lot of mental health problems coming into the pub from young and old not just old but you know even middle age you can yeah. see yeah. it you can see the age in people what COVID have done you know it has aged a lot of people unfortunately a lot of people have passed you know, that would have came in before COVID. Now they've passed not because of COVID. And you can even see that effect on the regulars that would have seen them people every day as well. You know, yeah, I know. It's, yeah. like, it's like a community within the pub. Yeah, okay. Well, listen, and keep if, it up. If we, can, if we can give something back and try and get that person out of the house for one day, whether they, they're drinking or not, they're more than welcome to come up for a bit of grub on a Monday. There's no problem. Well said. Home you from home at the harp. All right. Home from home. You know, you don't have to drink alcohol. We have a lot of people come in here to play pool and darts and rings that don't drink, but come for the, it's their social aspect. I uh, got a lot of texts on it. I'll get back to them now and let you get back to your busy day. Thanks, Anya. Appreciate yeah, it. No Anya from the Harp Bar and Balafihan. Text 0868104106. Mandy says, I don't drink alcohol, but I'm gutted the Irish bar trade is fading. There's nothing like the crack in an Irish pub. Sad to see it slowly disappearing. Hang on a second. Listen to this. Yvonne says, I paid €6.60 in a bar in Baltimore last week. <laughs> 6 60 in Baltimore. And I paid €30 Euro for six cans on Shirkin Island, the only pub on the island, which I think is utter madness. Which is utter madness? The fact it's the only pub on the island or six cans um, on the island for €30? Euro? That's a fiver a can. Um, I think that is shocking expensive. They are killing the Golden Eagle. Since COVID, I've noticed a decline in people going to the pub, but recently it has almost disappeared, says Dermot. People are more pressed financially now. Young people now don't have any disposable income to waste. 
Diageo think twice because people will only drink 25% less than they used to. Um, Jerry just says two words with regards to pubs and prices. I'm done. Text 0868104106 after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Corks Red FM. It could be worse. You could be over in Sicily where in Palermo, apparently a group of people went in and they were celebrating a birthday. They had spent €124 Euro on pizza at the restaurant, but they brought the birthday cake with them. A lot of people do that. And they asked the waiter to slice the cake and he was happy enough to slice it, but added €20 Euro onto the bill because he sliced the cake into 20 slices and he charged €1 Euro per slice. Uh, last week it emerged a restaurant in northern Italy in Lake Como added a two euro charge for cutting a toasted sandwich in half so that two customers could share it. They bought the toasted sandwich. I would have thought that it would have been already cut in half. It wasn't charged an extra two euro. Who makes these daft rules? I can understand the corkage rule. You go into a restaurant or into a uh, maybe even into a pub. I don't know. You probably mightn't get away with it in a pub, but if you did, you'd just say, "Listen, I'm, I'm bringing my own." Uh, you know, the BYOs, restaurants do that. They charge a corkage for it because they'll be out of pocket because you're bringing your own wine. I take your point, though, with regards to Weatherspoons. Paul says, and he's from Toker, he says, three euro for a pint of Stella in the Weatherspoon all day, every day. Might be interesting to get the price list, actually, of the likes of uh, Weatherspoons to see what kind of prices they have. I, I, I don't know it, to be honest with you. I was only in there once ever, and that was when it opened way back along. I went in just out of curiosity for a walk around. I was in a couple of the Weatherspoons knocking around airports and, um, you know, the odd time might get a bit of food. Once I got great food, the next time I got shocking food. But they're always busy and they do seem to shift an awful lot of booze, but much, much cheaper. But I've often thought that they're they're really kind of, they lack soul or they they lack what, you know, what you really want in a pub. It, it sounds like they always seems like a kind of cold or constructed bars, you know what I mean? €6.10 for a Guinness in the city now. Stay local, lads. Stay out of the city centre. It's crazy, says Craith. Dave says, I just get an 8-litre keg. It cost me €30. Euro. I gave up going out for that price. Uh, a buddy of mine, uh, Steve, actually sent me a video. We might share this video, lads. Uh, Kevin, are you there? Because I know I sent it to you. Um, and it's a video called Football is, Come- Football is Back, right? And there's this guy in the UK and he's got an armchair. Uh, and he's very handy, uh, clearly very handy, with a saw and a drill and stuff like that. And he took the armchair and he reconstructed the armchair, the interior of it. He took out one side of it and he fitted the se- he fitted the to- a toilet seat to the side of it, which opens like a hatch, like a door. And into it, he put, um, in the end, when everything was constructed, he, he threw a bag of ice into it and one of those small Heineken kegs. And on top then, on the arm of this leather armchair, he drilled a big, huge hole. And into the hole went the tap. And the tap and the pipe went down, the plastic pipe went down into the keg underneath him. He's literally sitting on top of the keg. And it's connected to the tap. And he sits in the chair and he just pulls his pints. Um, and it looks like an ingenious thing. Um, and he's, he's sipping away watching the soccer. It's very funny. It's a two-minute video. I'll, I'll post it on, social, on our social a little later on. Another couple of texts. And people are comparing like with like. Um, I was just back from Portugal. Two euro in Portugal for a pint. Somebody else says, I just paid three euro for a pint of Coors in Lanzarote. The problem in our country is the government and not the brewers. And Podrick says, my friend got caught to pay for a round in Temple Bar yesterday for his 30th birthday. They were charging us nine euro for a pint. Stay out of that place. Uh, It's a dangerous place. 
Tampa Bar. It's cheap in more ways than one. At nine euro a pint, that makes it dangerous. It's cheaper to drink at home. Diageo will kill the local pub like your big supermarkets killed the local shops, says Trevor. And Gary says, anything over six euro fifty and I'd have to stop at ten pints. Boom, boom. One more for now and we'll come back to them later. The pub trade is dying, says Pat. Only for the young ones of the weekend now, it's dead in the water. Super pubs of the future, so no time for the ordinary guy or girl or the over 40-year-old. Uh, Niall says that the pints in Kerry are still under a fiver. Um, I don't know about that. Depends where you are in Kerry. It's more likely to be anywhere between 5 and 5.50, certainly for stout anyway. Uh, and if you drink some of the local brews then, particularly the organic or the, the um, small microbrewery lagers, they can be dearer as well. Anyway, text on that. Text 0868104106 and I'll come back to it. Um, I don't know who sent it to me, but in the post when I came back, um, just signed a taxi driver. Uh, I was sent a list of um, penalties or fines that Cork taxi drivers will get if they're not doing the right thing as they're driving their taxis. And I counted them. There are 26 different potential fines for taxi drivers. Some of them are quite high and I don't know if you could argue with some of them. Like there's a €250 fine if a Cork taxi driver refuses to carry an assistance dog or a guide dog in a public service vehicle, you'll be fined €250. Another one then is uh, another fairly hefty one that I saw, which is a €200 fine if you fail to accept a cashless payment if you fail to accept, say, somebody wants to pay with a debit card. There is also a fine of another €200, Euro, a failure to carry a functioning cashless payment machine. There's loads of other ones. Like, for instance, if a taxi driver refuses to carry a passenger in a wheelchair, €250. Euro. Don't know how you get around that if you're not a wheelchair accessible taxi, incidentally. But that's just a few of them. There's to say there's 26 in total. I was just curious as to who actually polices these fines and who goes around checking and fining the taxi drivers on Leaside. Bobby Lynch is with the Cork Taxi Council. Bobby, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Good so, morning. So that's just a few of them. Um, there, I gave examples of some of the higher ones. Uh, who's policing these fines? And how do the taxi drivers feel about 26 potential fines? Well, if we look at some of them, fines are ridiculous, uh, Neil. No, who's patrolling is, is the enforcement officers. No, they're hired by the SGS crowd. They're not hired by the NTA. But the NTA gives them the rules. No. They're only all put into the Taxi Regulation Act. There's, not, there's none of them law. And we're waiting to be brought to court. We have one or two fellas out there that have the homework done on this. And we're waiting. The, the enforcement officers won't come to them because they know that what's happening to taxi drivers is wrong. But, but why so, shouldn't a taxi driver be fined for not carrying a guide dog? No, the thing about a guide dog, right? No, just giving that as an example now. Yeah, just, that's yeah. all. Yeah. No, what, what fellas were doing all along, and it was wrong, they were saying, oh, I'm allergic to the dog. No, a lot of the guy dogs out there, and the, the guy dog people will tell her that we were pushing for fellas to get uh, tougher penalties on them because they were passing on guy dogs. The people couldn't see them, and they were passing on the guy dogs. No. Why though? What? What? Why though? Just like, forgive me, but no, I, why? I, I'll be honest. I'll be honest with you. Now, some of the guide dogs would destroy the back of your car. They'd be hairs all over. Right. No, no. The thing is, if you're allergic to a dog, right, or a cat, or anything, 
you must have a letter from your GP gone into the NTA well before you, you, you were caught. So you can't just you just can't go down today and say I was stopped this morning and I, I wouldn't carry a guide dog. I want a letter. That's no good. So the way you're right, caught is somebody it. complains to the NTA, is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. Okay. The wheelchair then. The wheelchair then. A, a lot of the wheelchair vans out there, and a lot of them are probably listening. A lot of them fellas are renting wheelchair vehicles from Dublin and bringing them down here. They didn't do the wheelchair test. There's a test to be done. Now, I, I know the lads in Cork who are doing wheelchair work and go out of their way to do it. But there's a lot of drivers out there with wheelchair vans that goes out of their way to avoid it. Why? And it's wrong. It's Because they, they, they don't want to do it. Is it too much no. hassle to get the chair in and out, is it? Well, it shouldn't be, no, because it's all electric lifts now and straight in. Okay, no. yeah. I have no problem, and a lot of the saloon cars out there have no problem taking a wheelchair. It only takes a couple of seconds to throw it into your boot and it, carry on. It's the same fare rate, isn't it? It's the exact same fare. The exact same fare. And I don't see why it should be there. It should be the exact same. Okay, okay. But but you're saying these are cars that have come in from outside of Cork, Dublin cars that are rented down here? Look, the multiplayer owner up in Cork, he can have a fleet of wheelchairs and rent them out. And all he has to do to get the grants for them is have his own test done. And he can buy up to five wheelchair plates for every company that he owns. And he leaves them out then to people who didn't do the test. There's some fellas out there having to throw out to put a wheelchair. Oh, I see. So the reason that they have the wheelchair accessible taxis is they get a grant from them, but they don't operate them then as wheelchair accessible taxis. They're not interested. Exactly. Okay, okay. Exactly. We are trying to stop that for years. Okay, what about about the failure to accept um, uh, a debit card? Is that still happening? There's a fine of 200 for that. No, there's a fine of 200 for that, which... Which they won't. No, the thing is, they're forcing stuff on us. It's not law. We don't have to have a credit card machine. All we have to do is put a sign in our window that we don't accept cab. No. But but, but there's a fine for that. So surely that fine it's is a fine, law. It's a fine made. It's a fine. It's not law. It's a fine made up by the NTA. We're waiting on the NTA to take. No, I will give the chap's name. Oh, no, I'm not interested in anybody's names, no. to be quite honest he with you. Had, no names. He, he had his homework done on, on this. And when the enforcement officers come to Cork, they won't come near him. So why won't you... Why are there too many taxis still in Cork refusing to take cards? No, if they have a sign up in the window, it's not law. It's put into the Taxi Regulation Act. And there's the problem. If I... If I don't come, we have stickers on the side of our door. We have a first aid kit in the booth. If we don't have them, we won't get our license renewed. I know that, but I'm just asking you, why aren't taxi drivers interested in debit cards? It means they're much safer in the cabs. No cash. We're not against, we're not against the credit card machine. We're against the penalties. We're being forced into this. That doesn't no, make that doesn't my, make sense. My, no, if, if my credit card machine is not working, I can't go to work. 
If I owned the shop or a pub or a hotel and the credit, the credit card machine don't work, do I have to close the doors? No, but no, what I'm asking, I, actually, I tell you what, I hope you're available because I'm way over time now. I'd love to come back after 10 on this. Text 0868104106. My apologies, Bobby. Now. Show, Red FM. Quite a number of texts on different topics already this morning, so keep them coming. Text 0868104106. I just want to finish my conversation with uh, Bobby Lynch. We were chatting there about fines. There's 20... How many did I count earlier on? 26 of them in total. Um, the taxi driver is very annoyed about all of these different fines, but when you look at them, some of them are probably very necessary, particularly the one or two that we discussed already, including the guide dogs and the wheelchairs. But we were talking about whether or not taxis should be accepting debit cards. Bobby, good morning. Good morning. Yeah, like to, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm not kind of getting a direct answer from you. You're saying that um, they just need to put a sign up. Um, but why? W- my point is, why wouldn't they want to? No, it's, it's not that they wouldn't want to. Is that the way the NTA forced this on us? No. If we, if we don't comply with them, we don't get our licence renewed. And plus the fact we get a 200 euro fine. If I go out in the morning and my, if I go to use my machine and it's broke, and if I if someone complains to me, I get a 200 euro fine. No, that's wrong. Um, okay, that's because it's a broken machine. But if yeah. a, if a, if a punter gets into the taxi and the taxi driver says cash only, that has yeah. nothing to do with the broken machine. Yeah, but it? see, it's not law, Neil. It's not law. Okay. Okay. This is this is where people. It's not. It's not signed into law. What law? The law of the Irish state, is it? No. Okay. You go. You go. You go back to Bertie Hamden, right? He got away with whatever he did, because in the Irish constitution, you do not have to have a bank account. Okay, but that's a fight for another day. Is it also yeah, not so? You, you're, so you're not obliged either to carry a wheelchair by law, or you're not obliged legally to carry a guide dog by law. Well, it's, it's everything is put in put into the Taxi Regulation Act. No, another the fine out there is if I come along down Pastor Street and I can't get up in the taxi rank. And if I pull up behind the last car, I'll get a fine for that. That's on the list also. But, yeah. yeah, yeah. But a private car could be parked on the rank, holding me up, going in there, and he get no fine. And are the fines being issued for these kind of they things? Are being, they are being issued. They're, they're silly little fines for, for, for stuff like that. Is, is there someone going around physically going up and fining taxi drivers? There's enforcement officers going around around Cork around the 26 counties there's enforcement officers there are most of them I think they're all retired guards right okay yeah. no they think, no no some of them are okay others don't care one bit so no what, the public have no problem parking in taxi ranks do they oh no problem whatsoever so where and are the taxis then? If I pull up outside it, I pull at the back of it, I get the fine. Yeah, but the, oh, the, the motorist will get the after. fine from the traffic warden, though, surely. Yeah, but he should get it. He should get it. But the thing is, the enforcement officer will come along and give me a fine because I'm on the back of the rank trying to get onto it. But there's a private car there and he can't give them a fine. Mm. But he can, he can fine me. That's their own made-up law. Yeah. It's into the Taxi Regulation Act. And if I don't pay that fine, I don't get my licence renewed. They have us over a battle. Um, this, I... old, this NTA have this taxi industry destroyed. 
But yeah, I, suppose, I suppose a lot of the fines, though, are just being fit for purpose, you know, having the proper documentation in the vehicle, you know, having the proper yes. taxi yeah, meter calibrated. I'll agree with you. you know, having the, having the, the correct roof signs. Stuff like, for the last few weeks, we we're watching two or three cars going around Cox City and they're not registered to walk in Cox City. They're slip, they're, they're, there's, there's a, a thing there that if you're... Uh, do you know that I can bring a car up to Dublin and walk free now, but I can't go into a rank, mm. or I can't be stopped and flagged down, but I can go up there and walk this app thing. I can also go up there and join the base and walk from the base. Yeah. So that should be stopped. There's cars coming in here, and they're walking the city, and they're not registered to walk in Cork. They're registered to walk in Limerick, and they're registered to walk in Dublin. <laughs> And why, why do you have a problem with that if we don't have enough taxis at night, for instance? Sure, that's just helping to get people home, isn't it? No, Neil, we haven't enough taxis at night. No. Saturday night, there's thousands of people released onto the streets at 2 o'clock. Isn't that right? Yeah. There's thousands? Yeah. No. At 4 o'clock in the morning, taxi drivers are pulling onto the ranks. The workers have to be done. No, we'll have to bring in a lot of people home in two hours, probably an hour and a half, in two hours, we say. Yeah. And we have the streets clear. No, that's a good job. Where are the buses? The buses that brought the people in, but blame the taxi driver again. No, it's not about, no, listen, far be it for me to blame any taxi driver. I would never do that because I realise the importance of their I, service. I, but, I, I know, I know but, it's, but, it's but, not true. But not I, true I, I, I know there was, there was a statistic which came out after COVID saying that something like only 20%, 28% of Cork taxi drivers went back to working nights. Well, there's no, there's no safety out there. We're, we're after being through this. I met the sergeant. We're after being through all this. But the thing is, if, like, look at the penalties that are against us for out there trying to do our, our, our job. A fiver and extinguisher, and if the, if the needle in, in, in the green, I get a fine. A fiver bandage over the day, I don't know, first day I get, I get a fine. No, the buses are bringing the people into town, and they're not accepting care either. And mm. they're not there to bring them home. Mm. No, do, why, do, why, aren't, why aren't the buses accepting cabinet need? Could you tell me? I have no idea why that is. I suppose it's it would cash. Cost, it, would cost, it would cost the government money to put them into the buses. I suppose it's we're, cash or the leap card. Yeah, yeah. We are providing the taxi service out there. And we are being dependent. That's trying to us. Out of disgrace. Okay, I, I think think it's still a very grey area regarding. I accept the taxi meter. Sorry, I accept the credit debit cards machines might be broken, but uh, there's still taxi drivers who don't have broken machines, or they don't have machines, and they'll only take cash. Like I, I was in Istanbul recently, without on harping on about this, and there's like twenty million people there. There are thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of taxi drivers. None of them will take debit cards. None. They're running their business. No, no. Okay. Like the reason, the primary reason why they won't take debit cards is that inflation is rampant there, and the banks yeah, yeah, are charging. Yeah, it's up and down. If, yeah, it's, 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 oh no, it's insane there. So if, if you get into a taxi, happen, it'll probably happen there too. Why, why, why should I give the bank 
percentage over the fare that I do. That's that's the reason I think that taxi drivers don't want debit cards. No, no, because in Istanbul, I'm only talking by example, because happened to me, they will drive you to an ATM machine, you will get out the cash and pay them with cash, because one of them eventually told me that if he took a debit card, the bank would charge him 20%. Well, of, of there the you fare. are. No, once, once, like, if they, like, they're, they're trying to push this down our throats, right? And we, we were never against the credit card because we had them before they even put into the taxi regulation. Act. A lot of us had them. Okay, let me bring in, let me bring in Dennis, who's also a taxi driver. Dennis, good morning. Good morning, Um We're talking about the different fines, and I know it seems to have honed in on particularly the the debit card machine. Go ahead. Yeah, well, it's Devin McCart. That's compulsory since last September. And everyone's supposed to have one of them in the car now. You know? See, there we go, Neil. There we go, bye. Like. <laughs> get, hello? Yeah, go ahead. I'm listening to you. Yeah, it's just that Bobby's com- coming across there. It's compulsory since last September. And the thing about it, like, is that. Like, I, I'm surprised that Bobby, for a fellow that's had to give me a long time now, like. The, like everyone should have a, a credit card. In the, in the, there's no such thing as a dysfunctional credit card, right? Or card machine. You should have one. That's part of your business, right? You know? what, what's, what do you believe is the motivation behind cash only? Cash only. Uh, they're avoiding someone. You know, obviously. Like, there's two reasons why people don't pay. Like, if you go into a place and it's only all card. It's obviously it's like a drive through or something like that. So obviously they don't trust the staff with cash. Right. And if a fella's only and if a fella's only all uh, is all cared cared in, well, if he's all cashed in, he's avoiding someone. You know what I mean? I don't know. I, I, go, I, I don't know. He doesn't, he, he doesn't want to go through the books or something. He doesn't want to go through. But you're, whatever, but right? you're like, he has to do the books because he's given a receipt. Sure, like you'd have to. Oh. Sure, the receipt would exactly. be would be looked for by revenue, wouldn't it? Where your taxi receipt? Look, if anybody don't use, if they don't use card, it, it, revenue in the end of the year will see. How come you're, you have a business with no card? So, so they'd smell a rat straight away then. You know what I mean? But look, the way people are today and the way I come across people at the weekend, I do, I do cash and I do card. And there's no problem with the card. And the amount that people are getting in is that they take care, they're delighted as if it was a relief. Like, they should be comfortable with that. Do you know what I mean? There's but does, it, no does the bank not charge you a hefty wedge there for that card transaction? No, not, not really, no. Not oh. over the course. Not for the amount I do. No, I'm not. No. Okay. Not for the amount I do. And it's not a case that you're doing an awful lot of it. It's not all card, card, card. There's a lot of people still using cash as well. But give them the option. You know what I mean? Yeah. If someone wants to pay cash and someone pay card. But don't be saying, like, like I couldn't believe Bobby there will go dodging your question and he was saying about stickers at the size of the car and all that. Like, that's the ancient history. We had to do that. But we got to get on with it, like. You know what I mean? Just do rules and regulations. We're not all happy, but get on about it. We change. We do our license every year. Make sure all your kids are right. Make sure your stickers are clean. Make sure your car is clean. And if you, have, if, you, if you do that, you won't have a problem. Well, like, cashless, you have to have cashless in the car. Yeah, yeah. You have to. And, and, and that's what they're, they're trying to... Look, they're trying to make it easier for the customer. And the customer is king in the end of the day. All right? And if we're to do things, do it and get on with it. Okay. Right? And don't be making up. Don't be making up excuses about uh, stickers in the size of the car. And, I, it was, and, no, actually, Bobby didn't mention that I did. I was giving it as an example yeah. of the fine if uh, you he, didn't have the sign on the roof or the sticker on the side of the car. 
Yeah, we were going to do that there a few years ago, and we've done it and get on with it, you know what I mean? Yeah, before you open your shop front door, make sure everything's in order. I get that. Bobby, did you want to respond? Did you want to respond to Dennis? Well, my response to Dennis, that he, Dennis, uh, is, I, like, what I'd like to say to him, I, I couldn't say it, but I tell you something like, this is, this is what's been the taxi drivers all along. That they don't stick together, there's always a smart aleck will come on and try and twist things. No, we're not against the credit card machine. We were never against the credit card machine. We were against the way they, they put it in, in, into our cars. If we don't have it, you're fine to wonder euro. If a pub or a hotel haven't got one, are they fine? That's, that's, Bobby, that's all clever. That's Bobby, all clever. Bobby, you want to come out of the chairs down low and come in with the real times, 2023, have to get on with it. And then it's going back to the old days and all stuff and cash and... Like I see fellas there with a car burned up in their meter, they're going to take their credit cards. What's that all about? He sees business in there, he sees business. He sees business. It was ripped off. It was like a tear box ripped off and he had it in Mark Gordon, no credit cards up over his meter. What kind of a carry on is that in 2023? You know what I mean? Get get with the get with the year that we're living yeah. in, like modernize. Exactly. Move along with the times. Exactly. Why, 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 why aren't the buses modernized? So why why aren't say have credit cards? Why why haven't every plumber and every every carpenter in in the country? Why why haven't they got them? But is it the reason that Dennis is saying that it's, they won't take card because they're trying to it's not, t- trying it's to not. dodge a bit of tax? It's not. It's not. All right. It's okay. It is. It is. What do you mean they're, they're all, all at it? They're not all at it. You're only a clown, mate. You're only a clown. Bobby, if you want to call me a clown, talk to my face any time in Patrick's, Bobby. Go and talk to me over the phone. If you want to call me a clown. I don't even know you, mate. Talk to me over the phone. No, 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 Bobby. You can't be calling somebody. You can't be calling somebody that who is saying that anybody that opens their business should have everything in order. That's a reasonable thing to say. I don't know who that chap is, but he's coming on there. He thinks he knows everything. He knows nothing. He don't know a thing. Well, I'll ask him. I'll ask him one question. Is he still there? I am, of course. I, I say, oh, is there going? Boys, no, you know everything. Can you tell me who is the taxi regulator? I, I, I couldn't tell you, no. You couldn't tell but me. I don't have no business. But I don't have you no business with me. the taxi regulator. I only do yeah, what I do every year. Know. When Kathleen died, was the taxi regulator every driver in the country, no? And Jordan Earling? Yeah. We, the job there, and was before Kathleen died. Yeah. Let's not get into we, the biographies of former we, taxi regulators. He, he, we, he, have no, we have no taxi regulator. Yeah? The taxi regulator, we have none. There's no taxi regulator there. No. We, we've got, we've got <laughs> stuck. We, okay, well, fair point. There isn't, there isn't. But we've got stuck on whether or not taxis should be taking debit cards and the reasons behind it. I told you the reason behind it is that we, it's forced on us. And if my machine breaks down, I can be fined 200 euro. I'll have to go home. No, that's wrong. Could do a pub or a shop. 
do they have to close the door? I know, but they wouldn't be deemed as public service vehicles. You know what I mean? That's different. But they're, de- they're dealing with the public. Okay. Do okay. you go into shops here? And there's plenty of shops and there's trainees that won't accept care. Well, I suppose what Dennis is saying is comply with all of the rules and regulations and make sure everything is in order and you'll get no And you won't have from, a problem. You won't have a problem. And you won't have a we're, problem. You won't we're, have a problem. We're, listen, if you pick up a fear and your machine don't work... You have a problem then, boy. You have you a problem two, then. You have a problem then. You have a problem then. You have a problem then. And it's not your fault. Uh, that's if, a if, we're, if we have no coverage, if we go down the but country. You can't, but you can't say that you wouldn't put in taxi, you wouldn't put in debit machines into taxis in Cork only because they might break. So that wouldn't be a reasonable reason to. I'm not saying that yeah. they might break. It's yeah. the, thing, the thing is, like, we have nothing against them. Nothing at all against them. They walk a trees. But if you go down the country and you, you can't get on the internet and it don't work and the, the fare is 100 euro, right? What are you going to do then? Your man said, well, I tried. Why, what are you going to do then? You're, you're, going to take to an at, you're going to take them to an ATM machine. Of course, they might need one up the side of a where can you Where can you find an ATM? Okay. I think there's only, there's only two on the last side, I think. Okay, okay. Do you accept that, Dennis? Not Except, yeah, no problem there, yeah. Yeah, okay. Hold on there a second then. Uh, John Rose. John, good morning. Morning. Hello, uh, uh, how are uh, you? Another morning, taxi driver. Right. Do you know Dennis morning. at all? I know you know Bobby. Do you know I, Dennis? Yes, I know him all, yeah. I know all of them. Do you want to pick up on any of this? It's your livelihood. Well, Bobby touched at the very end there. Meal internet service is not available around Cork City and the county 100% anywhere. So that's an issue when you arrive at someone's door at night time and it's happened to be in countless times you cannot get payment and you might have to drive 10 miles back on a busy Saturday night and then the customer doesn't want to pay you because they think it's your fault that you can't take the credit card. Yeah. When really it's a dissonant problem and that's a big issue and that's the biggest issue I have with credit card payments. Customers that are going outside the city that know they don't have internet should say to you, look, my fear is on me 30 euros, but on 30 euros on your thing there, at least when you get down to the house you have some payment. And that's the main reason why you think taxi drivers take only cash, is it? For fear of not having well, phone signal. Phone signal is a big issue, Bartman. Okay. It wasn't really thought through, Neil. And you know yourself with bank internet and security, if the payment doesn't go through in two or three seconds, it comes up as a as a non it voids it straight away. And have you, you been in a situation where you've had to let off a fare because your phone signal was gone? Yes on two occasions one was for 38 euros it was down in Glenmire um, out by South Hospital I had to let that person uh, they had no other way and there was a young girl on her own and me driving back to us Brandon with her made her uncomfortable me uncomfortable um, she promised that she'd send it to me she never did um, and another case in Dunhamore there was another case and that was a large affair that was around the 70 odd euros again two young girls and they had no way of paying me they said they said they said the true revolute they tried. I thought, well, the payment will show up when I get back into credit. It never did. Neil. Do you think they ever tried? I well, no, they did. They showed in front of me that they were trying. But with Revolut, you can retract the payment and, and pull it back. Ah, that's terrible. That is scotting. You know, that really is like promising to do something so, or not. Yeah, exactly. So there is an issue still, but it's not it's not a hundred percent foolproof yet. And I think when it is a hundred percent foolproof, then it should be implemented and then. But it should be 
you know, taking on board and using it. Okay, do do either of you, say for instance, John or Dennis, have anything on two of these other fines, which is the one regarding the wheelchairs and the other one regarding the guide dogs? Because a guide dog owner says here that guide dogs never sit on the seats, as Bobby suggested. They sit in the footwell. Correct. That's normally what does happen. If I'm taking one, I'll, I'll make the passenger sit in the front to put the dog in between the legs in the front seat where they can actually hold the dog as well. Yeah, but Bobby said this all too often taxi drivers are driving past people with guide dogs and also refusing to take wheelchair fares. Yeah, that, that I would know about it because I've never done it. I've always either picked somebody up and I've always, always taken a wheelchair and never refused them. Okay, okay, all right. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you all for your time. Much obliged. Thanks Morning. to Dennis, thanks to Bobby, and thanks to John Roach. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 Cork's Red FM. Lots of texts and different topics. Now, we were talking with Deliveroo drivers yesterday and the tough work that they do. Um, Deliveroo and Just Eat will probably be a thing of the past, Neil, when MANA drone deliveries expand, as in delivery by drone. They've already set up in Dublin. You should bring the owner on. I heard him on national radio. He's very futuristic. That's a guy we should talk to, guy behind the drone business. I'm imagining that your, your hot food is connected to the drone I guess, I don't know, or the dro- actually, hang on a second. The drone probably goes to the restaurant or the takeaway. They connect the food to the drone um, underneath it, and then it just literally flies through the air out to the suburbs and comes to your front door, and then something on your app just ticks to say, drone has delivered, and away you go. I saw it recently, actually, where they were using a drone on one of the outer islands. I think it might have been the Scottish Hebrides, where it would have taken hours and hours to bring out the post, right? Because they'd have to drive it all the way from one part of the mainland uh, to the uh, ferry, have to go on the boat all the way over. It would be boat then would uh, dock and the post van would drive around the island delivering all the mail. Um, but then they just use the drone instead and the drone just leaves the post office and it flies through the air all the way across the sea onto the island and it lands on the island and the post person there with the van just picks it up off the drone and the drone flies back home. So all this modern technology is incredible. Lots on living at home there. We're chatting earlier on with Kevin on this one. I'm not coming on air, but uh, uh, this is uh, for uh, just a contributing factor for people being at home later is because they don't have the same dating morals and behaviours of men 20 years ago. There is some amount of men online sending unsolicited dick pics and looking for hookups. The prices of houses are unaffordable for single people, all right. But 20 years ago, it would have been rare for a woman to buy a house on her own. She would buy as a partner with her husband or fiancé. Now, that's an enlightening text in many different ways, because you're saying a lot of different kind of things here. Um, that, um, yeah, OK, the, one of the factors for people living at home is because they can't get a house. But others is because um, things have changed so much that it's impossible to find a partner uh, because men misbehave more. So therefore, they can't find a partner, get two incomes together and be able to get a deposit for a house. I mean... That's stretching a little bit, but, you know, I still appreciate where you're going. I bought a house, but I was up against two investors that kept putting up the price by €5,000 each time. I bought a small place, but it went up 70000 over the asking price. You cannot get proof of other offers you're up against ever. That's a shame to hear because I would have thought, let's say that if you bid and bid and bid and you're outbid and you didn't get the house, are you, would you then be allowed, I wonder, to say, okay... I'm unlucky, I didn't get it, but I'm now going to ask you to prove to me, give me some kind of details of the person who actually did get it. Um, Because uh, sometimes 
you know, it may be a case that you've got three people bidding. You've got you, the other bidder, uh, but a third bidder, bidder in the middle, which would be the seller of the house, which would be the fake or phantom bids. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, say that? I, I suppose, I don't know, do with the stage agents say, well, you know, we don't know, like it's GDPR. Isn't that what they'll say? Isn't that what they always say? GDPR, uh, we can't. Sorry. More so GDPR. than ever now, yeah. 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 yeah, So it'll be like, well, look, we just love to, and they, they'd be saying, well, anything could happen to you. We turn up at their door with a, with a petrol pump and probably, just like to intimidate them. No, into well, you I, the just thought, I just thought that, you know, in, because it, it would be fair if you knew that everything was above board and kosher, you know? Yeah. It would be only fair. Oh, well, I, 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 look, I think it would uh, certainly, there's certainly some ways of doing it that would give enough details. You know the way you can give your bank account details and it's the last four digits of your bank account. There, there could be something to say that it's a legitimate bidder. That's, no, I'm just saying, you know. but why wouldn't people be allowed to see proof of the bids? Actual documentary evidence of your three and somebody else's four and then your two and somebody else's three yeah I, I, you can you certainly they will say that like normally if you really push auctioneers do give you a bidding history um, but like that's not always guaranteed you know you don't even know if that's legit is it you just like I suppose the idea is that the law is there in place to protect you but when it's anonymous you just don't know for Here, sure. Here's my I, I But like, sorry, just going back to that text that we had originally on, you know, promiscuous men being the reason why we're all paying so much for houses or whatever. That, no, I, that's the reason why you're of, still stuck at home. Yeah, that, there's yeah. a lot of mental gymnastics going on there. I mean, like I said, two very good jobs in this place, uh, in our situation, combined, going for a combined mortgage, have more than enough in terms of deposits, still can't get a house. You, <laughs> we, were looking, we were looking the other day, two teachers or two average teachers, which would have been seen as a very good job before, you know, two teachers on an average salary would still have to have thirty-five to forty thousand euros saved as a deposit to buy the average house in Ireland. Okay, but look at it this way: let's say you are both on, let's say two people, um, mm-hmm. it could be a teacher and a guard on forty-five grand. That's mm-hmm. ninety grand, right? That's a Let's, very good salary, by the way. Okay. Like, yeah, so ninety grand, um, and yeah. you have to have. Um, a 30% deposit on, say, a 400,000 euro house. Is that too much? Yeah, well, let me think now. So, you so normally, normally your deposit would have to be 10%, so you'd have to have sorry, 40. I was going to say 30 grand, sorry. Yeah, so, so. it'd be 30 grand on a 300,000 house or 40, 40 grand on a 400,000 house. Let's say 350 grand because the 350 yeah. grand is a fair figure for a new build three bedroom semi. Yeah, right? I think that's fair. Yeah. Okay, so you got to have 35 grand. Yeah, okay. 35 so grand that, that saved. That means that you now, have to, um, f- you now have to come up with a balance of 315,000 euro which uh, uh, on, on, a, on a combined income of 90 grand what, what will you get from a you bank might, you probably would get 4% or 4 times your salary now 4 4 times your salary they've upped it depends on the circumstances on your bank situation etc oh, okay. etc et but okay. you can get 4% now but like 90 grand combined salary like are, like you know I don't want to give away too much information but like 90 grand is a very good combined say 35. there's very very few people I would say under the age of 30 are, have a combined salary of 90 grand okay. unless they're working in IT or pharmaceuticals okay. and okay. they're in the, in that kind of sphere nobody working in okay, there's nobody too high yeah, I reckon I like I reckon a fair combined salary for two people working as a guard or a teacher might be in the region of sixty to seventy grand, maybe sixty-five to seventy grand combined salary. So you're multiplying that by four, which gives you two eighty, and then you're trying to add up to make a uh, four hundred. You're so, not going to be able to buy a house. Not a hope. 
So like, I think seventy grand is a very fair, um, a very fair amount. All right. Um, some more text on it. Thank you. That'll, we tell, were you asked, where, that'll we, tell you where people are. Like, yeah, you know? they're short of the money. We are. We were asked for proof of funds for an offer, and we didn't feel comfortable sending it through. Um, as in, your proof of funds shows. I think how much money do you have? Show me your bank account, and also show me the amount that you have been sanctioned for a mortgage. Uh, we were very uncomfortable sending it through. The auctioneer was happy with an email from our mortgage broker confirming only that we had funds enough to bid on the property. Uh, just listening to your discussion about the auctioneers and your rights on the mortgage approval, you can block out what you've been approved for. Our broker recommended we block out the figure last year prior to showing proof so it is definitely allowed. Uh, and just two more, and I'll talk to Willie then. Thank you. Uh, on the Wilton Road, there are 10 houses for sale alone. At that rate, prices will start to drop. And when your pals, um, I think they're referring to Sinn Féin, when your pals are in government, it will drop a lot more. You should tell Kevin to hold tough, don't buy just yet. Uh, wait for the Shinners to get into government. Please don't call out my name. Ireland is the only country in Europe where you get your deposit back. You can have two to three deposits down at one time, knowing that you will get them back. This can hold the sale of a house up while you make up your mind. Um, are you telling me that there are countries where you don't get your deposit back? Uh, your deposit would be refundable up until you would sign contracts, I would have thought. But thank you for those. Text 0868104106. Just back to one of our conversations from already this morning. Uh, Willie, the taxi driver. Willie, good morning. Good morning, Neil. What points did you want to pick up at? Appreciate your call. Well, Neil, you know, there's a lot of ifs. He said, she said, they said, I said. So let's deal with the facts, strictly facts. Now, the facts is regarding, and I'm talking now about credit card payment acceptance. I've done extensive research, and I mean extensive, to the following authorities. The Central Bank of Ireland, the Department of Finance, the Oireachtas.ie, and the Consumer Protection Competition. All right. Every one of them have informed me that there is no law regarding the acceptance or refusal of credit card okay, payments. Okay, okay, okay. Even in taxis. The reason being, most taxi drivers, 95%, would be self-employed, sold traders. So they're running a small business. The fact of running that small business, you determine what type of payment you wish to accept, be it cash, be it card, be it both. But... This is what they did say. If you're not accepting car payments, you must put up signage that is clearly visible to the consumer. Who that said that? Who, who actually said that to you? The Consumer Protection Authority. Okay. You can check that out. I have no problem with okay. checking any of that. Fair enough, then I'm accepting no, your word that you're, it's not enforceable by law. So why then no, it's not has the NTA issued a list of fines and includes one there for non for the non for not taking uh, debit cards I will tell you why the National Transport Authority have a board of what we call a cause underneath they're called the advisory council this advisory council recommended to the National Transport Authority in February of March of 2022 that all taxis should accept cashless payments. They went ahead and implemented it under the Taxi Regulation Act without it being signed into law. Now, the only people, Neil, and you're aware of this, you had a business, the only people that can make the laws in our country are the legislators. Okay. Fair enough. Fact, Fair enough. Okay. I understand right. that. Okay. It goes through. Yeah. 
let me finish it now for you. It goes through the Oireachtas, the Shannid, and once it's approved by both bodies, it then goes to the President to be signed into law. Now, I have from the Oireachtas.ie 15 bills that were signed into law in 2022 by President Higgins. That is not among any okay. of them. The fine, actually could be, the fine actually could be 400 euro. One is for not having the device and the other is for, is for refusing to take a cash payment. So potentially it's 400 euro you could be fined if you're stopped you, by an you inspector. You certainly could. Yeah. But, you certainly could. Okay. And, and... Okay, but... Approximately, and the figure has probably gone up, there have been 380 taxi drivers fined, fixed penalty notices of 200 euros, for not paying, accepting the cab payment. In Cork now, or nationally? Is that Cork or nationally? Nationally, yeah. nationally Neil, and I'm waiting for the full figures under the Freedom of Information, which should be out shortly. But if you multiply that 380 by 200 euros, that is 76,000. 76,000. That the National Transport Authority have taken from drivers under false pretenses. What would happen if a driver refused to pay it? Well, this is what happens. You get 28 days to pay it. If you don't pay it within the 28 days, the fine increases to 300 euros for another 28, giving it 56. If at the end of 56 days you haven't paid it, they will tell you a court summons may be on the way. You will then be summoned to go to court on this. Now, this is very important, Neil, and I'm sure there are solicitors listening to this that may come on and make a comment to you. The summons that will be issued is a criminal summons. How can it be criminal to refuse a credit card? Why do you, why do you not want them? I mean, look at it this way, right? If, if all taxis took <laughs> debit cards... Um, then you'd be much, much safer because you wouldn't be carrying any cash and you wouldn't be mugged and attacked. Or at least you'd that, have that's less. Very, that, that's a very valid point. No, the other point is people have, and you've heard it, and, and there are there are mm-hmm. hundreds of drivers, but the certain areas you can't get internet connections. You could be down in Whitegate. There's no bloody ATM in Whitegate. Where's the next available place you can get one? The customer, if he doesn't have cash at home, he hasn't cash on him, you're taking him back to an ATM. You're still entitled to run that meter until your fare, until your fare is paid. And it's costing your customer maybe double, where it shouldn't. So is that now, the reason then, um, phone signal? Well, that's... that's that's my reason. Okay. I don't want care. It's as simple as this. Now, I'm dealing with you. I bring you home to Douglas. Your fare is 15 euro. We have one transaction. Yeah. You give me 15 euro, I give you a printed receipt. Job done. I'm not paying the card reader, 2.5%. I'm not paying the bank, 2.5%. That's 5% gone out of every fare. And if it happens to be a free now, app job it's that you've more, done, yeah. not yeah. only are you losing five, you're losing another 15% of the fare. Now, why should I pay the middleman? You know, no, Neil, I know, and the whole world knows, we had to bail the banks out in 2008. In 2010, I closed my bank account and never again opened one. Did you? So to, oh, I did. And they can, I give permission to check with any bank in the country. I don't have a credit union account. I don't have a post office account. I don't need one because I have nothing to put in there. It's that simple. And It's that simple. How can you run a taxi that takes cash only without a bank account? Why not? Where do you put the money? Why not? 
You pay your insurance, your insurance is paid. Your tax is 92 euro, your tax is paid. You, you pay, you, you can go through life entirely paying everything you do with cash. Why not? Anything I want, anything I bought, I strive and I, I save for and I pay it. Okay. I don't have a problem do you, with do you, it. So do you go I in, you, like you, can, you can pay in the in the post office, like if you have Sky, for instance, or yeah, if oh you yes, have a mobile yes, phone, yes, you can you, just pay cash. You can. My wife, my wife has a bank account and we pay Sky through that. I pay my tax insurance through her account. And why don't you have a bank account? Because I would never again support the banks after what happened in 2008. Yeah, but we'll what... be paying that. Our grandkids and their kids will be paying it. That's a valid point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know, absolutely. I, 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 I admire your These stand against the robbing banks yeah. for sure. I do. But what if you were robbed? Yeah. You'd lose everything. Well, Neil, you won't be losing a whole lot, I can tell you out there right. now. Okay. There are fellas going around with these rumours. I'd love to know where they're making a thousand, fifteen hundred a week. I'd love to know. I'd love to see proof of it. Like talk what? is cheap. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> money talks and bullshit walks, Neil. You see what's happening? What's happening in an awful... I know, I, know, I know that. They say that about publicans as well, and an awful lot of them on ridiculously tight yeah. margins, but yet they call them robbers. <laughs> I, I know that. But, like, what I've seen in commercial businesses that, you know, for instance, there's a donut shop on Patrick Street now, Krispy Kreme. They don't take cash. Do you know what I mean? Well, there you are. Many... They, but is, according, to, according to the Central Bank of Ireland, was all governing body with finances need, right? We have only one legal currency in the Eurozone. That is the Euro. In other words, I don't have to take sterling. I don't have to take dollars. I don't have to take yen. I don't have to take rubles. But I do have to take Euro because it's all legal currency. But there's nobody, there's nobody going in hassling the Cork businesses who refuse to take cash, though. There's nobody fining them. Exactly. Because... Because there's nobody complaining against them, Neil. If I went into the donut shop and I wanted to give them cash and they wouldn't take it, I would report them. Because mm. mm. they are refusing to take legal tender currency. There was a protest outside Krispy Kreme, I'm told, all right, when it opened for its cashless policy, but that all just died away, you know? Maybe. Well, you see, I heard the same, I heard the same to Bobby Lynn selling off and dropping a while ago about public service vehicles. Buses are public service vehicles. Why haven't they taken credit card? They'll take leap card, but they won't take credit card. Okay. Why not? Uh, they're governed. They're governed by the NTA the same as we are. Here's a text on that for you. No, actually, don't yes. give. Hang on a second. Here's my details. I'm a bus driver in the city, and we've been asking for new machines to accept cards for years now. Bus Aaron keep telling us that they're on the way. They're on the way, but nothing's happening. It's a disgrace. We've had to turn away so many people because of this not having debit card payments. So. The yeah. drivers certainly do you know? Do you know, do you know why, Neil? Do you know why CIE or CERN are so slow to act in that? Do you know why? Mm, lazy. Because, because it's not law. It's down for review at the end of 2024. And I will guarantee you one information I have from the Central Bank. It will be down for review again in 2025 and 2026. Yeah, you, you talk about phone signal, but people listening to this program will say it really isn't about phone signal. It's about trying to to trouser a bit of cash. Well, it's not trousering cash at all. If I go into a garage and I want to fill the car, we'd say with 80 euros worth of diesel, and I hand the man the car and it's not gone into my account from what I did yesterday or the day before, he'll call the guards. He'll already let me arrested mm. for not paying for it. If I go in and I have 80 euros, I give the man his money and we're all happy. I'm off. He's happy. Mm. It's that simple. It's that simple. They rammed it down the public service 
industry, the taxis specifically. They rammed the donut trust and they tell us it was law. We know, no, Neil, it's not law. And what I'm saying to you is, don't care. I've had many, I won't say an argument, but a discussion with customers and even other taxi drivers who are telling people, go and photograph him there and make a complaint. He's breaking the law. I'm breaking no law. All right. Okay. Okay. No this law. Became no, clear and evident this morning. And I, I, I finish on this. I finish on this, right? Hackneys and limousines. Are you with me? Yeah. They go through an STS, which is a small, listen out to the world, a small public service vehicle test. They're not public service vehicles. They're private hire. Yeah. yeah the limousine yeah. and a hackney are private hire, but they go through a public service vehicle test. No. Well, they have to for safety. I mean, you would only be driving around in something that could kill you. <laughs> yes, but what I'm saying is, you get a hackney of a limo, you can pay him cash. He won't take cows. And the NTA can do nothing about it. If he doesn't want cows, he doesn't accept cows. But taxis are different. And if you don't win, yeah, exactly. They're trying okay. to make it different, Neil, but it's not law. Okay, okay. No, the, the operative word is law. And Neil, I, I finish and listen, thanks for your time. What I'd say to you is, don't take my word. I gave it to who? You can get onto the Iraqis.ie, the Department of Finance. No, Bobby said the same thing. The You're not obliged to. It's not law. The NTA can say whatever they want. You guys don't have to because it's not written into the statute books. I understand that. I appreciate that's it. Sim- that's simple. And I'm waiting on a court date to be announced where I'd be going to court with them. And this I will be doing. All right, thanks, Willie. And then Willie. I'll come back to you next time. All right, pal. Appreciate thanks, it. Drive Willie. safely. Willie. Take care. Pat, good morning. Go ahead. Yeah, good morning, Neil. I, I was just saying there, like, that um, the tips there, like, if a person is using the card... They'll never tip. I mean, I, I myself now. Even if I went to a restaurant there, if I cash it off, it's tip leave a euro or whatever. I'd say they're not going to lose. They're losing out there on the tips when it comes to the cards. That's one part of it, and the other part as well is that if you were driving out to Ballincollig there, and you were paying by cash, if they're coming back in, they can pick up a, f- a fare on the way in. Mm. But um, it's not going to be logged into the system because they're not using the card. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know? people have the option to add on a tip on the credit card, a debit card, if they want, you know? Yeah, but it's more, you can imagine a person there with a few jars in them there, like, and, you know, whatever, like, they're just going to swipe, and you know what I mean? I mean, it's a lazy option. Like, I would always tip if I had cash. Um, any oh, no, I understand what there. you mean. It's 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 almost yeah. it's almost kind of instinctive. You tap and you go, and you don't think about yeah, it. Yeah, you just take it out of your wallet and you swipe, and you know, and there's no tip in, you know. Yeah, good point. Well, yeah. mate, thanks for that. Cheers, Pat. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six on the price of the pint from earlier on this morning. Asha, poor old Diageo needs to recoup their losses after Russia took over their Carlsberg plant which was still operating during the Ukraine war. Um, the Joshua Tree also has all pints, €3.80 on Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Thursdays. Fair play to them. I pop, it popped into Collins on Saturday evening while shopping. Tenor for a pint of Coors and a small Diet Coke. I thought it was scandalous. This is not sustainable. Four people were in the bar while we were there. I'll tell you the one thing that you probably paid a lot of money for, the small Diet Coke, because as we used to call them, minerals. Um, are a big cash earner for pubs. There's big profit in them. So I'd say maybe the pint of Coors was something in the region of maybe about six. Would you say six would be fair? Maybe a little high. And the Diet Coke was probably four. Um, What would you think you should be paying for a bottle of Diet Coke? Um, Imagine for a bit we would consider alcohol as a drug that causes at least as much misery as the illegal drugs do. Imagine that. Could you imagine that discussion? Opening hours for drug dealers or their prices or what methods they would use to entice their their clients, their drinkers, 
they're junkies, they're addicts. Yeah, I think what you're trying to say to me there is that we're coming at alcohol from the wrong way and we shouldn't be talking the price, we should be talking the damage. Uh, when growing up in the 70s and 80s, between Blackpool, the Grotto and Murphy's Brewery, there were 27 pubs all doing okay. Thank you very much. There's now five, maybe six, between Blackpool, Grotto and Murphy's Brewery. I wonder, could you list them? Or could anybody name all 27 of those pubs, which is now down to five or six? I mean, I could be talking all morning as to why there was a drop in the amount of pubs, as in 27 down to five or six. And maybe that's an example of one small little area of Blackpool. It's a much bigger area than that. But it probably could be said of many towns, villages and parishes all over Ireland. Uh, Country towns that could have had upwards of 40 pubs that now might have five or six. So much has changed in Irish society, say from 1970 to the 2020s. So much. And people's habits and how they conduct their lives and what they do and their leisure time and even daytime drinking, which is very much... There There are still pubs that do daytime drinking and they, and they tip away. I get that. But you got to remember, uh, say, Cork City way back in the day when there was loads of dockers and there was an awful lot of manual labour in the city. There isn't so much anymore now where the pubs would thrive by day or even in the early mornings. But much of that is now gone. Certainly daytime drinking has become very much a thing of the past or drinking at lunchtime and going back to work very much frowned upon. So there are loads of different reasons. But anyway, back to the point I made. If there, are tw- if there were 27 pubs between Blackpool Grotto and Murphy's Brewery, who could name them all? Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. So on the price of things and what have you, I'm very envious of this texter. He says, or she says, I'm not quite sure whom, uh, actually he. Uh, I'm holidaying around Donegal, having travelled the wild Atlantic way up the West Coast. I just bought a camper. Local prices in Doolan, Connemara and around Donegal for a pint bottle of Bulmers is on average €6.50. It's enough, isn't it? €6.50. Yesterday, I paid €8 for a 7-Up and a latte in Bondoran in a cafe. Can't blame those who stay at home um, as opposed to travelling. Or what do you you mean? Are you saying that people should not travel around Ireland or go overseas? Um, €8 for a 7-Up and a latte in a Bondoran cafe. Uh, Sounds like um, a lot of money to me. But I mean, maybe when you break down the costs, uh, you know, latte... If you go to maybe takeaway for a latte or whatever, I know you, we question whether or not the quality of ones in petrol station forecourts are decent coffee or not. But, um, you know, what would you pay for a latte in a cafe? Would you pay €3.50 for it? Probably. Uh, I know I paid more than that for it in the, a coffee like that in the train station a few weeks ago. But a 7-Up and a latte, €8. Euro. Um, West Kerry, two years ago, pint of lager was six euro in West Kerry. So I don't know where your texter's coming from saying the average price in Kerry for a pint is five euro. Yeah, I think five euro is maybe a little on the, the light side. 18 euro for a pint of Guinness and a glass of Sauvignon Blanc on Sunday evening in the Lee Chateau, the Chateau. Um, 14.50 for the same uh, Guinness and Sauvignon Blanc in Clancy's, Reardon's and Costigan's and Dwyer's. Um, sorry, my apologies. Let me get this right. Eighteen euro for a Guinness and a glass of Sauvignon Blanc in the chat. Fourteen fifty for the same two drinks in Clancy's. Reardon's and Costigan's and Dwyer's thirteen fifty to fifteen for the same. Eighteen euro to me was outrageous. The price of a pint is now a, to- a total disgrace, and the chateau should look at their prices. 
660 for a pint of Coke and a club orange in a pub. Mineral bottles are smaller and they've now been reduced to 220 ml bottles. It's actually cheaper to drink alcohol, Neil, than it is to drink Coke or club orange or a soft drink. Yes, it is. Is that why I thought it was that my hand had got bigger or that my fist had got bigger? It's the bottles have got smaller. 220 ml. Um, was there a time when they would have been 330 mils? I think they would have been. Like the can that you get if I got a Diet Pepsi, which is getting harder and harder to get, 330 mils of it. Coffee in Weatherspoons is less than one euro fifty, Neil, and it's unlimited refills. Cappuccinos, lattes, hot chocolate, everything. It's such great value compared to Costa, which is four euro forty for a regular coffee. Coffee and Weatherspoons, one fifty. Unlimited refills. So you can get unlimited refills of cappuccinos or lattes or flat whites or hot chocolates for one fifty. What's the quality of it like though? Is it good? I was in a hotel north of the River Lee. I was charged seven euro ninety five for a sandwich plus one euro to toast it. A hotel north of the River Lee. I mean, you can tell me the name of the hotel. It's it's not a problem. Seven ninety five for a sandwich must have had some serious filling in it. And then when you ask which of a toaster, they added an extra euro. On the Minister for Justice, how is Minister McEntee still in her job? Full stop. She has no dignity. The capital's turning into a no-go area and it's on her watch. I would would say go, madam, and go now. And on tattoos, with regards to the Garda Shikona, just to touch on the Garda news, weren't they the ones who wanted to be more diverse and to include people of all backgrounds and societies, but yet they discriminate, discriminate against those who have a love of body art? How does that affect the job they wish to do? It doesn't. And also, how long did it take the start of training in Temple Moor for it to be known that they had the tattoos the three cadets at this rate we will never have enough guardian on our streets if this is the carry on of those in office tattoos should not matter thank you for all those texts keep them coming text uh, 0868 104 106 to the phone lines we go Pat good morning morning Neil touched earlier on this morning on the um, the risk of buying a house and the element of trust involved in it you obviously were listening to that and you, you yeah. bid and, and you're told there's another bidder and you bid again and then there's, you're told that there's another bidder and, and you're very much relying on people telling you the truth isn't it? Yeah, and they need to be kind of open and transparency because um, as we all can see, the market price of property now is is crazy and uh, it's just, um, um, you know, open for this kind of abuse there. And I think, and I said it to Kevin there earlier, I think people should be actually able to see the bidding and see names behind the amounts. Like in my case... GDPR, in- though, GDPR has shut all of that down, though. Yeah, but in all honesty, like you're bidding and you want to see that there is bids. And even if it's a number, that this number is associated with the person and you're seeing a number bidding. So there should be some uh, accountability then with the auctioneers that when they assign a number, that there's a person behind that number. So that would sort out the GDPR. If you're doing it, if you're in an, okay, but if you're in an online auction, right, and I've, I've only ever done once and it was, um, you, you can get a broker to do it for you. It was years ago. It was something very small. It was just a, something for a thousand euro at the time. It was a very old book. Um, but let's say you're in an online auction, right? Uh, and you're uh, doing it online. Do you see the other bids of other people? 
I don't know. I never went into the online, but like um, I do know uh, that the market there for anything reasonable and worth buying, uh, there's buyers there that there's no end to the money. So you're bidding no, against I, them. Yeah, but I'm just wondering, is it transparent? Because certainly buying a house is not transparent. If you have an auctioneer who's selling a house and you want to buy it, um, you're taking that auctioneer on trust that they're telling you the truth, that there is another bidder and that it's not the auctioneer and the seller who are just trying to squeeze, particularly if they know your mortgage limit. You see, this is getting back to the trust. If you're um, uh, relying on an auctioneer, um, the association that regulates auctioneers, uh, there should be some overseas body there that they can go in and see uh, the you know, the whole process of the sale of that property. So if I had a doubt, and I know uh, in my case, like, uh, I was misled. Go on, tell uh, me your story. It's a mid-90s My story purchase. in the mid-90s is I had a small uh, two-bedroomed house in the town, and there was only a yard with it. So we had three children, so there was a house up for me there. When it went on the market day one, I could have bought it for 17000 Um This guy that's into a lot of property bought it, and then he decided it was a bad because there was a lot of damp and everything in it. So I put in a bid because there was a garden with it. I put in a bid of 30000 and I said, look, it's worth uh, the money uh, because the garden for the kids. I was told at the time there was a bid of 50000 and that house two years later was sold for 30000 Did the bid for 50000 get accepted? There was no bid for 50,000. They were trying to drive me to 50,000. They were trying to get 20,000 more out of me, but they didn't get out of me or anyone else and ended up selling that property for the turkey. Why didn't they go back to you and say, when you didn't bite bite the 50, right? Why didn't they go back to you and say that the 50,000 bid fell through? Well, they had an idea that I wanted that house badly enough for the kids and the garden, and they said, we'll push this fella to 50, and we know that he's going to go. But I didn't have the um, finances to go to 50. That's the reason I didn't. But, like, I would have been, they would have got 20,000 more out of me. And, like, I I said it to Kevin, but I'm not quite sure with this, um, and you need to check it up, is... Does the auctioneer get a percentage of the money that the house makes? So if he gets 50 for it, he's getting more money out of it as well. So I don't know, is that the case now? And it needs to be checked up. But like for buyers... The seller, it's the offer. seller pays the auctioneer, not the buyer, isn't it? Is it? Yeah. But yeah. well, whoever, if the auctioneer gets more money for that property... Uh, the, uh, you know, the auctioneer is getting more money out of it. There needs to be regulations in place in an awful lot of areas for when you're dealing through an auctioneer, there should be an awful lot of safeguards there in relation to people buying, well, especially when you're going through a reputable auctioneer as regards uh, just buying something uh, off the cuff. To be quite honest with you, in the times we're living now, I would imagine that there probably are counterbids to every single property. People are that desperate that there's always going to be more people bidding on a house than you think. You know, you're never, in, in the world, in this city that we live in now, I would think it's fair to say that if a house goes on the market, it would be insane to assume that you're the only person bidding on it. Oh, that's correct. Like, in today's market, there's a lot of people bidding on it. But like, as I said, as regards 
uh, the amount being bid and people being misled, I suppose, is the point I'm making. That should be, um, that shouldn't be happening. So, like, if you are uh, bidding, and as you know, as you said there, area, there's a couple of people bidding, um, it should be transparent for each and every one of them. Just to answer your question there on whether or not auctioneers get more money based on the amount of money the house ultimately sells for, the answer to that, by and large, would appear to be no most auctioneers now, if not all of them, have a fixed fee and they will tell you in advance as to how much it's going to be. It could be 2%. Um, so it would be, it, I mean, it, actually in, in that regard, it would be 2% of the selling price. So it kind of yeah. would be an encouragement to them um, to get yeah, the price up the as price high as possible. You know, yeah. um, but yeah. they, they, you're like, you, you, also, you also have to, in, oh yeah, I see here auctioneer, for instance, who, who do it. They have, they break it down and they, they have a, uh, selling commission which is something in the region of 1.5% um, yeah. and uh, they break it into advertising outlays, VAT uh, and they have a total bill then and stuff like that And then it shows, so it's very, it's very transparent I imagine all auctioneers operate like that the higher they can sell the house for the more they make in fees yeah, so that's wrong. Like that shouldn't be the case. The auctioneer um, should be working there, uh, open and transparent. Yeah. And as I said, the young couple have enough of financial problems without. Uh, in my case, it would have been an extra twenty thousand okay. when interest rates were at eighteen percent. So it would have been an awful lot of money. Um, so what you call it? What did you um, ultimately buy? I bought just a small townhouse um, day one, but I didn't buy that other property. And then I ended up moving back to my home place, you know. Okay. So, but I did need a garden at the time because the kids were grown. Okay. And I said it'd be great for them. So, but the auctioneer was of the opinion that I'll pay whatever uh, he asked, but I didn't have it because I said interest rates were at 18 Yeah, but well you were being, you were, yeah, he wasn't telling the truth. That's a form of gazumping. He was trying to get the more money. Yeah, but out it, of it was wrong and I, oh. it shouldn't be. And like the worst of okay. it is nowadays, is that's happening uh, in a bigger scale and like young couples are there and they all want their own house and a roof over their head but at what cost you know so we need to see transparency in the market and we need to see that there is proper regulations in place okay and uh, yeah appreciate it thanks Pat just uh, two different comparisons say on a regular estate agent and their fees for selling a house uh, based on say a house purchase of 300,000 euro um, you would be paying in and around 6,000 150 euro to an estate agent um, auctioneer's fees for the very same transaction would be uh, 2,453 euro so much less than half and both of those fees include VAT so very much based on the price if the auctioneer can get the price or the estate agent gets the high price nice up as far as they can drive it up as far as they can they make more in fees because it would be 1.5% of the highest amount of money that they could sell the house for. Anyway, text 0868-104-106. Sean, good morning. Sean, uh, yeah, Neil, um, you're on there about uh, auctioneers and... and um, State agents, yeah. and all that, yeah. Now, my own story was uh, 20 years ago, I was by the house and I used to drive for a living and I used to be even around to go and shop for a mortgage. So I was talking to a friend of mine that would have been bought a house and got a mortgage probably a couple of years beforehand. So, uh, like all friends, we all talk among ourselves. We all give each other advice. So he said to me, why don't you get a mortgage broker to get your mortgage here? And I said, yeah, well, how does that work? X, Y, and Z. He told me, God, I said, yeah, give me the number. We'll pass on our details. 
uh, got onto the mortgage broker, and um, in the meantime, we were dealing with an auctioneer to um, buy a house. Um, we were interested in the house. I wasn't interested in paying the, house, the price that he was looking for. I wanted to give maybe about 30000 less than what I thought the house was worth. Right. And so on and so forth. So that was grand. Uh, all our paperwork went through. And next thing is any of the mortgage, or, uh, the auctioneer was on to me there. And he said to me a couple of times, oh, are you still interested in the house? I said, I'm still waiting on my mortgage, X, Y, and Z. So next thing is anyway, got my uh, mortgage. Uh, was approved for the price we approved for, which we, we went in for a good old price at the time. And um, he rang me then one day, putting fierce pressure on me. Oh, I need to sell this house. This house has to go. I have other bidders in. Um, I need to get this price for us. Well, I said, I'm not interested in paying the price that you're looking for. I'm interested in paying the price I think the house is worth. So he said, oh, no, you have to give it. You'll have to give it. And I said, well, I don't have it. I says, I'm not um, approved for that amount. I says, I'm only after being approved for the less amount. Okay? He says to me, I'm tell- you're telling lies. And I says, no, I'm not telling lies. Oh, he says, you are telling lies. And uh, now, in hindsight, I was telling a white lie, right? Yeah. Because he put too much pressure on me. But how, was he t- how did he know that you weren't giving him yeah. the full figure? How he knew was that the mortgage broker because he wanted to know who was our mortgage broker, who we were getting our mortgage off of. So, and as well as she wanted to know who we were dealing with to buy the house. She rang him and told him what I was approved before she rang me. Sounds he, as if they were in cahoots. Oh, without fail, without fail, because he said to me, um, you were telling lies, and I said, how do you know? And he said to me, well... I was talking to your mortgage broker and she told me what you were approved. That's not on. And They're I'm, on different sides well, of the fence. 100%, yes. So in, I hung up from him and I rang her back and I said to her, how dare her to uh, talk to anyone else about my business or what I was approved. That was my business, nothing to do with him or anything. And I said, um, no way to scrap the whole lot. I said, I'm not going with you now. Oh, she says, where are you going to get your mortgage then? I said, I'll go to my own bankers and I'll get it. So in the high line, I didn't buy that particular house, um, went to my own bank, got my mortgage off my own bank, and ended up buying a house in the meantime off a different auctioneer, dealt with a different auctioneer, and then um, we were probably just in the middle of settling that deal of buying that house and um, the one sends me a bill for um, <laughs> consultancy fees and phone calls and paperwork and I said hang on a minute you told me there was no fee involved here she says oh there's only no fee if you didn't if you um, if you took it it added on to the mortgage but she says when you didn't take it there's a fee well I says I ain't paying that fee and I never did to this day. And you shouldn't have and should have told that if you pursue me with this, I'm going to report you to whatever relevant body represents you and regulates you because I hope that kind of shady practice is well gone now because that's not on. All I know is, right, um, about maybe four years ago, I um, inherited my home house, so I ended up selling that house 
that I bought. I bought it in boom. I know I gave too much at the time for it, but it was a lovely house. I liked it. I put a lot of money into that house and sold it probably for probably 120000 less than what I bought it for. Did you really? Why? Because there was no dealers there first. It was just probably about maybe probably about two months before COVID came and I was offered crap money for it at the time. I put it up for uh, good money um, but no, you didn't get never, it. Yeah. Yeah. Did not get it. Now it ended up going to a person that I knew. Um, to um, they were both self-employed at the time. Um, I went to uh, an auctioneer that I knew at the time. He valued the house. Uh, we put the, the value on the house, right? So on the fourth, and um, it didn't make it. So at the time. Um, I said, look, I'd let it go to the best bidder. 150 grand less, though. You'd rarely hear of any of houses selling less at all, but that's a huge chunk less. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I bought it for 230. And we sold it for 125. You very rarely hear of of houses not washing their face. And that was after doing it up as well. And and how much would you put into it? Look, I probably, you know yourself, you just spend money as you kind of... I know, I know, I know. Uh, well, look, it's in the you, past, you, you know. You probably put 70 or 80,000 maybe. Oh, my know, God. Over yeah. a 15-year period, you know what I mean? You hear of getting your money back or maybe losing a little, but usually no. you make on a set on the flipping of a house. Particularly, how long no. did you have it? About maybe 15 years. Wow, there should have been profit in that. Now it was an old cottage at the time. Oh, I know, I accept that, yeah, yeah. But still in all, though, you know, you rarely hear of a loss like that. But yeah, anyway, but you took it on the chin. So that, yeah, look, it covered my mortgage. That's all I wanted to I do. Know. I was after inheriting the house, and I knew the couple that were um, interested in buying it, considering I wasn't meant to be told who they were, but I was told who they were. So that was fine, yeah. I went and I met them, and I told them, and they that I actually knew them personally afterwards. And um, I wouldn't do that to pull the rag from underneath them. Do you know what I mean? Well, because if there was no, if there was no other that. offers coming in, it was a, yeah. Covid, well, COVID came well, along yeah. and, it, and prices all went up, of course, because a lot of people uh, were looking for houses to buy because they wanted to relocate, relocate and made huge life changes, and property prices went up accordingly. Anyway, it's an interesting. Well, yeah. It was a very good one because they were um, because being self-employed. I know it's harder to. Um, Get mortgages yeah. when you are self-employed and all that, right? Yeah. So they were um, under pressure to um, receive money and and get their their ducks in a row, right? Yeah. So I remember then one day I received a phone call from the auctioneer, and he says to me, um, "They there's a deposit paid. They were just waiting on things to go through, um, because like an auctioneer or um, an engineer came out from." their bank to look at the house and he condemned the whole house and said this, that and the other was wrong with us. Since all of us had been listening stuff, I approached the, the, the person that was buying the house, myself, personally. Um, what do we need to do here to get this over the line? I need to get out. You want to get in. And he told me what we needed to do. He says, there's no point you doing X, Y and Z because we're going knocking all that anyway, he said. You know what I mean? They had their own plans to do. And wh- and what? And was it a house that should have been condemned? I'm mean, just nosy. No, no, no. 
No, right. it was a perfect livable house. There was a bit of dampness, but nothing major. So do you think that engineers say this on behalf of clients to get a better price for them? I don't know what their plan was. Is it is it to rise up the price of the thing or what? I don't know. With me, no, it's not going to be to rise up the price of a thing. If the auctioneer and the other or the engineer on the other side um, condemned it, it would be to drop the price. Well, I don't know because it, it, what made, maybe what, what made me last in was we done the two or three little jobs that needed to be done. I done them right and fixed them up. Done all the bits and pieces. I rang the um, the buyer back again. I said to him, yeah, good to go. All the bits and pieces are done. You need to get on to uh, yeah, 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 yeah. the bank to come back and um, look at it, pass it. And nobody said to me, no, no, that engineer couldn't come back to um, look at it because he condemned it. I had to go away and pay for an, an engineer to come in and pass it because he couldn't come back and do it. And that house gave you an awful lot so, of headaches, pal. Oh, yeah, but it dragged it on. But then it dragged it on so much, right, that I didn't notice at the time that there was a signing time and a, a, fir, a confirming signing, signing time of buying the house, right? Yeah. So they said, the auctioneer rings me one day, oh, do you know now they're going over the date of uh, closure of the sale? Like that, you see? And I says, um... All right, I never knew I wasn't aware of one of them. Oh, yeah, yeah, they have to have all their stuff done by a certain date, and it's not been done. And I said, look, right, leave it alone. Leave, give them a chance, you know what I mean? Because I knew things were coming right for them at the other end. And he said, oh, you know now you can pull this if you want to, and we'll go and we'll get better money for you if you can. But then, you see, they would lose out in their deposit as well. Yeah, and was that a was that a was that a worry for you? You didn't want that to happen to them. Well, I didn't want that to happen because I knew they were friends of mine. Yeah. So why would you want to pull the carpet from underneath somebody that there's something on the line, there's something on the way from, but there's something holding up paperwork on their behalf? All right. So you gave them the time and they closed the sale. All right, decent man. Yeah, because they were friends of mine. I knew them personally. Do you know what I mean? As well, and like, I think it's very unfair for any auctioneer. Because of paperwork the way it has gone nowadays, and the hoops you have to jump through to pull the carpet from underneath. Yeah, them, I suppose know, you'd have to live with the there. consequences of it. Yeah, it certainly because would be awkward. Yeah, okay, I all right. They, if, if they lost their deposit on that house, well, where they the next time they're not going to be able to. If they did come by another house and get their mortgage in the meantime, they haven't got the deposit to buy another house gotcha because yeah. the deposit has gone down this money yeah I know alright good story yeah, good story good story good story thanks but Sean I think that, uh, banks and and mortgages and and auctioneers they're all they're all in in, in the same bracket in my eyes alright my man so, thank you for that take care of text 0868104106 after the break the Neil Prendeville show on Cork's Red FM our phone lines remain open after midday, 0818-104-106. From earlier this morning, you were talking about the different 20 different fines that can be imposed on taxis. One of them they honed in on was uh, guide dogs. Your thoughts on that are welcome. Availability of taxis with guide dogs. Um, if you have a guide dog, also the 
one was a wheelchair and the other one was not taking debit cards. So a lot of people contributing on that. Bobby Lynch is uh, not telling the whole story. A guide dog will always sit in the footwell and not sit on the seats. Um, I suppose the thing to say about that is you'd have an awful lot of dog hair in the footwell as opposed to the seat. But, you know, um, one would think that nobody should question somebody with a guide dog nor a wheelchair if you're a public service vehicle for private hire. Um, just just do it and do the right thing. They don't want to see the card machines because they'll have to declare it to the taxman. That's the only reason. A few reasons drivers don't want card payments, Neil, they're traceable, costly and have eroded tips. If you pay an 18 euro fare with cash, the driver normally gets, say, 20 euro. Now it's tap and off you go. No tip. Bobby is dead right. They are charged extra by the banks for each transaction for credit card machines. Uh, so why should they bear that cost? Is the taxi regular going to subsidise the cost of them? Are they going to get a tax credit of the amount it costs them in the bank and transaction fees for this? No, but I guess some would say it's the cost of doing business and using debit or, or accepting debit or credit cards. Like the banks are not a charity. Quite the opposite, actually. They keep, uh, they've got people sitting in a room and all they do is think of extra ways to wheedle money out of people. My friends were getting a taxi and they wanted to pay with card. The taxi man got angry, pulled out his private parts and told him what to do with them. He never said at the beginning beginning that he didn't accept cars. Um, are you really telling me that that happened? I'm working as a taxi driver in Cove and there are fellas here totally unlicensed using their own vehicles as taxis and giving out their numbers to people. Um, okay, for private hire without any license and distributing numbers like give me a call if you need a taxi. Here's my number and you pay him directly. As a taxi driver of 20 years, I can tell you that Bobby Lynch doesn't speak for all of us. Um, they are constantly on air and talking about things that aren't always 100% accurate and sometimes clueless of the industry. Uh, well, um, that's, uh, you know, an interesting perspective on things. Um, I, I guess nobody always speaks for everybody, uh, but he is uh, the Cork rep, isn't he, for the uh, Cork Taxi drivers, as in the Cork Taxi Federation. Uh, listen to Bobby about card payments. We know and he knows it's all about tax. Uh, morning, twice in the last 15 years I went into a store or a shop when the card machine didn't work. Just twice in 15 years. It's a lame excuse from taxi drivers. For a taxi to accept card payments, the taxi has to have protected Wi-Fi fitted. That means a broadband connection, VPN or cyber security. Who pays for that, says Paddy. Oh, I always thought that the card payment was attached, attached to the signal on your mobile phone. Tells you what I know. It sounds like the taxi mottos is cash as king and only declare half of it. <laughs> you guys thinking that our Cork taxi drivers are anyway dishonest. Come on. Talking of Cork, right, and celebrating all things Cork. Can we look back to uh, 21 years ago, if you don't mind, when this song was a huge hit in the charts? That's our Sinead. She joins me with my phone. Sinead, good morning. <laughs> good morning, Neil. How are I you? love the harmonies. It's I love the punch and of course the choreography. Third, what is it? Twenty-one years ago. A little bit of trivia I for you. Know. Do you know that that song was originally written, and you probably do, as a television advert for McVitie's biscuits? <laughs> yes, I know it is bizarre. Do you know? 
honestly, every time I hear that song, I suppose as I'm getting older, it's more nostalgic to me. So I just, I just smile all the time. But the great thing about that, though, is it it stands up perfectly well now, 21 years later. Thank you very much. And when you did it, it stood up perfectly well from the original in '74. But anyway, how have you been? I've been really good. You know what? As in, when you say 21 years, it scares me because. I still feel like that was only about four or five years ago. Tell me about um, it. Convincing myself that I'm still young, but um, yeah, I'm really good, you know, and it, we just recently, myself and all the guys from the band met up and um, all of them are doing super and I don't know, you know, I just feel like so grateful that I had that time with them and with the band and oh, super. Tell me about that reunion because I read about it in the Sunday World. So yourself and Emma and Sarah and Liam and Andy and Kyle, where did you all meet 21 years on? So uh, we met up in Dublin because that kind of, uh, some of them don't live in Ireland anymore so we just felt that was kind of the most central place to meet. So we met in Dublin and we went out for drinks and dinner and to be honest with you, I post basically I posted a picture on my Instagram page and put up a few stories of us together and we could not have fathomed the reaction what was that the reaction? to that. Just super like it's in so positive. I think maybe now we're going through this kind of nostalgia era, you know, with like um Bewitched and all these people going on tour again. I think people are kind of embracing almost that time of music. And it's just been like so many people contacting us and the press have really picked up on it. Yeah. And the amount of messages and emails of well wishes that I've got off people. It's it's really lovely, you know, like I hadn't anticipated that at all. And what that get together for the 21st when you all got together in Dublin. Did any part of the conversation stray towards the chance that you might reunite? No, no, uh, not <laughs> no, at all. Like, I'm, it, I'm like, honest to God. Do you know what? It's like, a definite you know, no, I'm hearing, is it? Yeah, like, we're, well, from me, but like some of them obviously are more, would probably be more keen than others, maybe. But to, like, is in we just got together to market for everybody to kind of come together. You know, after COVID and everything, it put lots of things, I think, into perspective for people, you know. And um, I said it um, there uh, to the journalist, uh, Eddie Rowley, for the Sunday um, paper, but it's funny, you know, we're, people don't get that we're really good friends. They can't, sometimes they can't understand that, you know, these people that were just put together, but we genuinely are very good friends. And there's five other people in the world that will only ever get that crazy time I went through. And no one else, no matter how much you try and explain it to them, you just, you couldn't put it into words. So we have this kind of bond, really. And it was a crazy time, wasn't it? Number one in Ireland, Norway, Sweden, New Zealand, travelling with Westlife. It all started with pop stars, wasn't it? Was that the the first of the the reality? Yeah. I think it was the first reality TV show ever in Ireland. So, you know, which was kind of nice because everybody got into it. It was a real, you know, amazing show for people because we never had reality TV really before that. And all of a sudden we were in people's living rooms in their houses every Sunday for like 12 or 15 weeks or whatever it was. So then when we went out to the public, people really felt like they knew you and that they had brought you into their home and they invested in you and your character and everything. So it was lovely. It was really it was really fab. And I think as well, we didn't kind of have the world of 
social media mm, mm. Uh, that we have now, which I think makes things a lot more difficult. But there was so fan we, mania nonetheless. Listen, I remember when the day, the night we got revealed in Dublin, the next day, my boyfriend, who's my husband now, came up to me, you know, because he hadn't seen me in say three months we were locked away in a house. Sure. We didn't know there was any hysteria. And I said to him, I'll meet you in, you know, one of the shopping centres in, um, I think it was Jervis Street or something in Dublin. I said, I'll meet you there and we'll... Um, you know, we meet for a coffee and I walked in and next thing, I wasn't in there five minutes and I was like, why is everyone looking at me? And I was just walking there and next thing, the security had to be called and everything to try and get me out of the shopping centre. I was like, what the hell? Do you know, like 24 hours before, I was just Sinead. No, yeah, you know, yeah, I didn't yeah, know. Yeah, because we were locked away from all that history at the Did time. Simon Cowell then signed the band, was it? Yeah, so Simon signed us with his label and Louis Walsh managed us. And then we kind of, um, so we released the two singles in Ireland that went to number one and then obviously in Norway and Sweden and all which was crazy because as well we had never been to these countries and then we were getting off a plane and everybody was screaming like wanting to meet us and we were like this is do you know I was 18 I was a kid (laughs) do you know what I mean I was like as in I look back now and I think you were a baby well isn't it lucky it didn't go to your head or you didn't go off the rails or anything like that Oh no, do you know what, like is it even when I was in it, like my boyfriend that I had in school stayed my boyfriend, yeah. my friend stayed my friend and like if we had time off, like you know, if we ever got to go, you know, and, and to go to an event or anything, I always took that chance to go home even if it was for one day, I always went home to Cove, so I kind of, nothing really, bar all the hysteria and the lovely stuff that happened to us, nothing really changed in my life with friends or family or or anything like that. It all stayed the same. Mm, mm, mm. So it just was... So bands like, did it just run its course then, for instance? Was it just, does it always a start, well, a middle and a finish? I think, yeah, I think so. I think it ran its course. And then also what I think happened was Simon Cowell, uh, they they launched pop stars in the UK, say 18 months after we got together. So then all of a sudden we weren't the shiny new people anymore and he I wanted know, to invest in somebody else and look that's just what happens and then but is we it though just, because you become disposable then as if you're a commodity that didn't concern you no do you know what I suppose what happened was we had kind of two and a half good years of touring we were west like for a whole 12 yeah. months of their European and UK tour and like you know I would say 18 going into it I was kind of 21 going on 22 I kind of even felt at that stage because the last six months were so you know not sure what was happening a few of us just kind of felt we didn't feel any animosity because it was literally a case of I was like oh I want I kind of want to do my own thing now I want to go home back home mm. and you know I I kind of anticipated opening my my dance school that's my right yeah, so yeah, yeah we all honest to God it kind of fizzled out to a point where we didn't ever feel well I know per, I'm speaking obviously for myself never felt like thrown aside I just felt like okay you know I want to do a new project now and yeah. that's kind of how I felt at the end. Yeah. What did all so, the others the others do? Um, woman into banking, so, others are digital content yeah. managers, driving electric delivery vans and stuff like that, is it? Yeah, and like Sarah works for BBC in the UK. Um, Liam does tour managing. He was tour managing Westlife actually for a few years. So he's still doing tour managing now. And um, uh, Andy is in banking. And Emma was working for RTE and she's now opened... Um, a school for she teaches dancing now in in Limerick. So, do you know what we're re- like? I was saying to them um, when we met, God, aren't we really lucky? As in bringing things back to normal. All of us are successful in our own 
careers and then outside of that all like as in all six of us are super healthy have lovely children and lovely families yeah, I think between the six of you you have ten kids what What did your ten children because they're, they're getting bigger now Like, do, are they aware of the mania of 25 years 21 well, years ago not so much but like over the last few weeks there's been a lot you know in the papers and stuff and they're like man and then my my 10 year old actually said to me the other day they're in my car now and listening to Red FM and you started playing the song it was so nice because they were really looking at me smiling and laughing going that's your song ma'am they can't get it and my my 10 year old was like ma'am were you actually kind of famous I was like kind of years ago you know and they were like that's kind of weird and I have to say one of the nicest people in the world on top of all of that little little birdie tells me you're running for the doll and um, pretty much I would say secured of a seat down there what are your thoughts on it Um, you know what truthfully I'm obviously I've been in local politics for the past 15 years and love it love representing the area I'm in but um, I'm totally flattered that my name has been mentioned in regards to a general election but no decision has been made. Ah, come on, on Sinead. I know your years. If you're not going to tell anyone, tell me. I know, and we do know each other years. Come We've on. Great nights out. <laughs> come on, all but the pantos you know, we did together I, and everything. I know. I actually, we are talking about it, and like Fina Gale are speaking to me about it, but I will be honest with you, no decision has been made, and I don't know, you know, in politics, they could be talking to three or four other candidates. Ah, uh, yeah, but if they so offer it, if they offer you a seat to run for... Would you take it? I think it? if they offered it to me, I'm like 80% I'll take it. And then obviously, I'd be, I'm being truthful. You know, I know, me, I'd be, I know, I'm so I know. honest. <laughs> the only thing that it could, that questions me deciding whether I'm not is that I need to sit down with my family and my boys and see, does it fit in with that? And I, I would never give up my stage school. You know, that kind of... So I like, understand that there are boxes that need to be ticked. So yeah, I know the only reason I... I, I, I know, I know. We, we certainly that. need more women in Irish politics. We certainly need more uh, in the doll. But we need fresh blood in the likes of yourselves. You know, we really do. We just do. And I, so I do feel the same in the sense of we do definitely need more women, both in national and in local politics. But I, being in it since I'm young, I totally understand why there is a lack of females in the job because it is very hard for a woman with kids Mm. to kind of, you know, to juggle it all. And there is mum guilt comes with so much. But like, it is, it is time for more women to And would it be fair to say that that's one of the, absolutely, is that one of the things that you're weighing up at the moment, the the, the home life, the the work life balance? One million percent. If I, if there was, if there was no obstacles, I would say, oh, I'm, you know, everyone knows me. I'm so passionate about the area. I meant, for God's sake, they supported me through pop stars. I opened a business. They all came out and supported me. I ran for a local council. They've come out and supported me. I would not be where I am today without people always since I'm a teenager coming out and supporting well, me and listen, I never forget that you'll make the so right decision I'd whenever you make it yeah listen it's Thank great to, it's so great much. to catch up happy it's 21st so nice anniversary to you. it's so nice to talk to you take care Sinead bye 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 great She's just a great, great woman. She really is. Sinead Shepherd, 21 years on. Listen, I'm going to love you and leave you. We have family passes to give away for Clonakilty Park Adventure Centre. It's down in Clonakilty Park Hotel. you got uh, all of the adventure stuff going on there, all the activities, the aerial trekking, the high rope courses, the climbing tower, the zip line, the power fan jump, adventure golf, uh, swings and climbs and jumps and screams and laughs and all sorts of things to go with it. You bring the family down there and you'll wear them out. So family passes to give away. We've got two of them. One pass to enjoy 
enjoy a round in their maritime themed 18 hole golf adventure course and the other pass to enjoy the exciting aerial trekking high ropes course 40 feet above the ground not for the faint hearted get tiling for those now callers 9 and 10 0818 104 106 go for it have a good day I'll see you tomorrow for more Red FM podcasts go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts